Yo, what's up, guys and gals? This is the part of the show where I tell you about our guest tonight, but uh, unfortunately, Mr. Claudio Cagnasso was supposed to be our guest. Um, he was coaching today, and uh, because of some weather uh, problems here and there and, and uh, load availability, they didn't get to get as much coaching in as they wanted, and uh, his student, the guy he was coaching, really good kid, Juan Diego, uh, wanted to get as much time out of, uh, out of Claudio as he could. I do not blame him 100%. When you have a coach, make the most of that coach's time. You're, sp- you're paying good money to learn from some of the best in the world, and you should maximize that time. Uh, uh, Claudio, being the great coach he is, also honored that obligation to that student, uh, gave him that extra time, and, and couldn't make it to the show in time. And, and rather than stress Claudio or worry him, he wanted to be a little bit late, like, bro, just enjoy your coaching. Uh, he bowed out very great. So uh, we will have Claudio on the show again at some point. If you're a fan or follower of the show, you know this is pro- the second time that we've actually missed Claudio. Uh, Claudio, we love you. We'll get you at some point, brother. Absolutely know it'll happen. He is absolutely a wonderful human being. Don't let his uh, flakiness affect you. But uh, tonight's Gravity Lab Radio is brought to you by Cookie Helmets. Cookie is actually supporting the film festival. <laughs> Gravity, no, uh, Cookie Helmets is supporting the film festival once again. Uh, this year, the film festival, if you want a brand new, free, free, that means 100% off, G4. Cookie Helmets is hooking it up. Cookie Helmets is coming to the film festival. I'm uh, not necessarily coming, but they're they are donating to us. They are representing, and the winner of the Gravity Lab Film Festival on October 24th will win several things, but in part, that G4. That G4 is a wonderful helmet. I love it. It is a nice, snug, secure fit. It doesn't move around on my head. It fits the way it should. Um, it's super protective. They Actually, it's a little bit bigger than the G3 was, the G2 was. They had increased the helmet size. But they gave it some legitimate impact protection. That foam inside, that hardcore plastic, that hardcore foam, it really will help if you hit your head on a, on a landing, if somebody kicks you in the head in free fall. That, that the lens has been a little bit re-engineered, how the air flows in and out of it. There was some problem with fogging with the G3, even though it was highly fog resistant. With my G4, I've had a really hard time making that thing fog. The ventilation, the breathing system, the way it all works, it covers lower on the back of your neck. Uh, some of the older helmets, if you get kicked in the back of the head or impact on the back of the head, um, I've actually been wallowed in the back of the head or, wa- or uh, beat up in the back of the head with a knee and uh, in the back of the neck, and it, it, it'll mess your world up. But, man, that G4 would have protected me. And the G4 is super comfy, super legit. I absolutely love the helmet. And you can win one free. Check out Cookie Helmets. Uh, find them on Instagram. Find them on Facebook. Super good people. Jason Cook is the owner and, and the founder of Cookie Helmets. And one of the reasons I love Cookie Helmets is Jason Cook. He is a huge fan of skydiving. When I first got to know Jason, it was crazy to hear what he knew about each team, what he knew about each athlete, what he knew about Gravity Lab Radio. Jason is just legitimately a fan of skydiving and everything that's going on out there. If you want to uh, buy gear from somebody who's in tune with the sport, if you want to buy gear with somebody who cares about the sport, man, I don't know if there's many owners in the industry, period, who care about skydiving as much as Jason Cook does. Check out Cookie Helmets. Absolutely badass people. Absolutely badass product. Tonight's episode of Gravity Lab Radio is just going to be the boys instead. Super late minute audible. We uh, probably made this decision 30 minutes, 15 minutes before uh, airtime. And so it's going to be Justin, Nick, and myself just hanging out. Sorry, uh, if you know Nick and I, you know we can talk a little bit uh, life philosophy, how we live, how we breathe, how we think, and, and what we do. And 
we really uh, feed off of each other a lot. We have these conversations together a lot. But for myself, this conversation was a wonderful reminder uh, of how to be a better person. It's that wonderful reminder of what I should do every day. So if you're sick of hearing these conversations, sorry about your luck, man. It's what I need. It's what Nick needs. It's what we should fuel on. It's what we strive for to make ourselves better every day. So I, I hope you enjoy it as much as you as we do. I hope that uh, as much as you've heard us talk about this stuff often, that it, that it inspires you and reminds you as much as it helps us. So uh, with no further ado, here are the boys. I'm the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really <laughs> exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and Nicholas Lott. Produced by Justin Grubbs. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? Don't stop me. Dude, I for real have had this song stuck in my head for three weeks now. What song? Don't Stop Me Now by Queen. Be- uh, why? Don't. Because st- we watched Bohemian Rhapsody again. And nice. then that got me on back onto a Queen kick that I was on after the first time I watched it. And now YouTube. So I listen to music on YouTube in the mornings. So I like this my morning routine, which I'm sure I've said this at, at least a, a half a dozen times by now. I start driving to work. I listen to a podcast until I get halfway to work, and then I start drinking my coffee and listening to music at the same time because it gets me moving. Gets me moving and grooving, right? Gets gets me gets my body waking up, yeah. ready to do stuff. And so when I start listening to a song, like if I type in the name of a song, like "Don't Stop Me Down" by Queen, now YouTube knows that I like that song, and it just throws it into this my my mix music thing that I listen to every morning. And so now I've been hearing it most mornings. And it's real stuck in my head. YouTube's unfortunate because no matter what you do, you're going to be stuck in the same loop. Right, yeah, because it knows what you like and it's going to give you more of what you like. Or it tells you what you like by giving you more of the same thing you just watched once. Truth. It's going to make you like it, man. So, uh, I'm sorry, I'm just pulling up my phone. Tonight, if you're listening, if you're paying attention, obviously we've not introduced our guest because Claudio has stood us up for the second time. That's true. Two different states, even. That's awesome. Yeah. Man. Well, I just hit the guest button and DJ popped up. So DJ is the guest. What's oh, up, guys right. and gals? Uh, it's so cool because we've actually never had a guest stand us up before. But at least he's done it twice now. That's cool. I mean, two negatives make a positive. Man, two Claudios make a don't. Is key. <laughs> Claudio, absolutely love him to death. He really wanted to be here. Uh, we talked about doing this show together. He's doing some coaching right now. And so in his defense, he's he's working. Absolutely. He's got a kid he's coaching. And if I were that kid, I would not let go of Claudio until the plane stopped flying. Uh, he's he's coaching a kid named Juan Diego. JD's doing a great job. Absolutely get that JD's taking the most opportunity he can. So, uh, Claudio, we still hate you. Just just absolutely. We'll never <laughs> talk to you again. Um, that's Gravity Lab Radio. See you guys next week. Man, this was a quick show. This yeah, is great. Yeah, was fast. I sat here for like 45 minutes waiting for that. Fuck. <laughs> it's been such a long few days. So uh, Looking to Build has been happening. Oh, yeah. Which I haven't got to jump in as much as I would really like because they're all far better flyers than me. And I've had plenty of work to do on the ground. But uh, it's made for some late nights being at the hangar. And then I did go last night to... Uh, the debrief is hilarious when the Looking to Build event happens because everyone eats and sits around and watches all the videos from the day and you point out everybody, everyone's mistakes 
and then everyone talks shit on each other, and it's a lot of fun. And then you, when you say that, they really are, but they're doing it in just a really fun. They're sh- they're fucking with each oh, other. Oh yeah, they're yeah. they're they're lovingly shitting on one another, and it's great. <laughs> and uh, so I was there last night, and yada yada yada. I didn't sleep very much, and been a few few long nights in a row so man long i'm a sleepy little fella oh yeah and i think the reason i I brought this up is because i planned on taking a nap in the van today and that didn't happen how often do you get a nap in the van never dude okay not never i've actually done it like two times before podcasts like in the winter time when it's dark at five and we don't start the show till seven and the drop zones close and i don't want to drive home to fight the traffic all the way back here i have napped in that van in the sprouts parking lot once in the Costco parking lot. Dude, always welcome to the Crash Night guest room. I really don't care. It's a very comfy bed. Thank you. Yeah. I might do that sometime. Yeah. Um, God dang, I forgot where my brain went. Don't stop, stop me. <laughs> God, I can't. Please, please, when you see me in person. Never mind. I'm not even going to fucking say it. Dude, have you watched <laughs> Umbrella Academy? I think it was no, the No, you're the second person to bring it that did. up. Yeah. I, yep. I just saw that episode not long ago. So I've seen it on Netflix, and I wanted to watch it for a while. Remind me, what's the... It's kind of like Netflix's answer to X-Men. So this a bunch of kids are born on the same day, have no other relation to each other. The only thing similar about them besides the date is they were all born from a lady who wasn't pregnant 10 minutes before. Like literally the opening scene shows a lady who looks completely normal girl, high school girl, jumps in a swimming pool, suddenly comes out bleeding and having a baby. Like, So it's the Virgin Mary in a yeah. very short fashion. All the kids have some special power. Okay. Um, and this one dude adopts them as many as he could. He could adopt seven of them. Um, well, he's got seven superhero children. Yeah. And oh there were more, but he could. <laughs> only, I think there were 50 kids or something like that. And basically he's like, Dr. Xavier to them. Okay, I got you. He's their dad. He raises them. and uh, Only as a total prick, and it's really dark. Yeah. So it's, it's badass. So season two just came out, and I've just seen these rave reviews about it. So I was like, I guess it's time to start watching it. And, bro, it's it's a good show. I fucking love it, man. And that's Umbrella Academy. Yeah. I'm going to check it out. Netflix Umbrella Academy. I like it a lot, too. I, I saw season one when it first came out. And now I just rewatched season one because Abby hadn't seen it and we're partway into season two. But yeah, I was watching Shaun of the Dead. God, that's not a great movie. Long before that, that song's in it. Um, that Queen song. Is it? I think so. Man, right? Uh, and the uh the part of the the scene in the bar when they're coming in and they're and he's they're beating the uh bar owner on the head. Uh huh. Right, you remember they the doing scene? It? They're doing it to that song, right? I hope so. I believe so. I know it's a Queen song. I think it's that song. That makes and me happy. And then just seeing that episode the other day on the Umbrella Academy, it's like, holy crap, I've heard that song twice now, just randomly. Man, it's so crazy that Freddie Mercury is super dead from AIDS and still making <laughs> so much money. <laughs> that is crazy to me. I love he, how we were locked eye to eye when you were like super <laughs> deaf from AIDS. <laughs> it was the most serious eye contact like we were telling each other bad news. Uh, well, I mean, it's not good news. Uh, this is a weird <laughs> view because I actually don't get to talk to you as often during the show. Like it's usually when we're having the show, when Nick talks, it's it's a time to take a break. I think we both do it. We'll disconnect for a moment. Yeah, I find myself listening to the podcast sometimes when you get, when, when there are other good conversations happening. Sometimes I'm just listening. And I forget that I'm not driving in my car oh. listening to some other podcast that we're actually doing a podcast and that I should have a role to play. How <laughs> much does your mind wander during the show at times? Gosh, 
pretty far. You know, it, it depends on what kind of day I've had and what you know how long it's been since I've dealt with any drama, especially, and how attached I may or may not be to that. But yeah, sometimes I'm really grateful that no no one's asking me anything because I'm way far in a mental rabbit hole about some other shit. But uh, yeah, I'm pretty much here right now. It is easy to get lost. By the way, if you're watching this live, hoping to see Claudio, yeah, congratulations. Uh, but I, will I saw him today. <laughs> made a skydive with him, I think. I have my Facebook <laughs> open, so if you actually want to ask questions or make comments, we'll pay attention to you tonight. Um, I know that sounds really rude yeah, and dickish like, that we don't normally do I think so. everyone's reading the description. We only have like five people. Like yeah, they're like, no. Oh, nobody's there. DJ, Fuck Nick, and Justin. Guys. Fuck those assholes. <laughs> Boring. Skip <laughs> this one. But that face is uh, growing back in. Oh, my beard? Yeah. Yeah, it's, the mustache is still there. I just need to trim the beard back up. See, this is what happens when I get home at 9.30, which is also my bedtime, is that I have a z- zero time. The only reason I shower is because Sam won't let me sleep in the bed with her if I haven't showered. That's the only reason. I shower, I brush my teeth, and, so, like, what time is it? It's uh, 7.30 right now. I haven't had breakfast. We need to get you some help. I mean the psychological <laughs> kind, man. No, but you know, you know that I. I mean, I could bring food, right? Sure, yeah, I could. Oh, you know, I just fucking lied to you. I had a hard-boiled egg that I brought to work. Yeah, yeah. The biggest problem is honestly just your ethic. It's you're too committed to work. My ethnicity is that? What yes, you're your ethnicity. You're white. Um, you're too committed to work. Uh, you are dedicated. You are driven. Man, I love working. You're obsessed. Make you're me feel addicted. useful. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's. Uh, it, I think you could work less hours and still be legitimately okay and morally fine and do fulfilling obligations and duties, but that's why you're the manager of that joint because you go above and fucking beyond. So, man, I'd really like to. I know that I work real hard, and you know what I'm working on while I'm working real hard is being more effective. You've probably heard me describe this before. Of um, like, I could, I could say I'm going to work so hard today and pick the task of punching the wall all day long and be like, look how hard I'm working. I'm doing it. But that doesn't mean that I've had an impact on the day. Yeah. So I, I'm making a But you've had an impact on the wall. <laughs> yeah, m- maybe. I mean, not if it looks the same and my knuckles are all destroyed. It was not a great day. But uh, that's I'm trying to do some, some genuine self-awareness and uh, se- self-analysis to see, hey, yeah, you did this all day, but what's... Where's the difference? Did you make a difference? And I feel like most days I do, but I want to uh, ask myself that question. Are you working or are you busy? You know, like, are yep. you are you progressing on, on a thing or are you just running around for no reason, not making an impact? Because I know that I can do the second one. It's really easy for me to just work. Like, yeah, sure. I can I can continue yeah. to work. But is it doing anything? I'm not always sure. But uh, if I check in with it, then I can be more sure more of the time. You're more effective than not. I, I hope that's true, but I don't know. No, I, it's you're more effective than not. I, I, uh, we're good friends, so you know I will tell you the truth. I think <laughs> that that's mostly true. Yeah. That you would tell me most things. Yeah. I, I would find a point in a time to tell you anything. I really would. If it was that bad and it was that much a problem, I would find a time and a place. Um Man, Stephen and I have had some really positive conversations about you recently. You guys so, are both too nice. That's so the many of your uh, teammates, and the thing that I love the most is 
so many of the guys and gals who work at Space Dance see you as their teammate. You're their manager now, but you actually see you on the team. I love a leader. We, I, we talked about this the other day. Uh, in the military, E9, the highest enlisted man, he's really the guy who runs the soldiers. He makes this place effective. He makes this place work. This place doesn't run well without a great sergeant major. And you're a fucking phenomenal sergeant major, dude. You I've got a really great role model sitting right in front of me who does a really good job <laughs> of taking care of everybody he knows and everyone who, who's in his power to help. I know that guy. I hate you. So you're setting a great example. <laughs> I hate you. Steven's you know another one. Saying. This person that you said you're having this conversation with, I've never seen someone have, even personally, my back so often in so many interactions, and he does it for everybody. Yeah. I mean everybody who who deserves it, I guess. Everyone who who proves themselves, he'll have he'll have your he'll have your back. Man, I I, I uh, it's so funny because you mentioned you can go to work and punch a hole in the wall all day long, right? Do you know what my first official job, my first official project was as the lead instructor of Spaceland many many years ago? Did you was? demo some stuff. No, patch a hole in the wall I just punched the hole in. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I had a little bit. Um, I, I am very, uh, very, very hot-tempered more than any of you ever realize. Um, I see it boil up. Oh, yeah. And I see you do a really good job of uh, getting on top of it and controlling it. I've been in but a lot I, of physical altercations I'm not proud of. Hmm. I, I've, I've choked people, jumped on people, punched things, punched people. I, I get When was the last involved. time you choked a guy? <laughs> 2004, if I want to remember the year right. All right, I won't ask you details. Yeah, I, I I could tell you his name, but I won't. But I'll tell you, I walked onto the drop zone after being gone for a little bit. The motherfucker threw me under the bus. I was his last friend. He fucked every relation on that DZ over, and I was just being loyal to a friend, and he tried to fuck my world over. The DZO was a good buddy of mine and told me the whole story. Two other friends who saw everything told me the whole story. I walked in. On a 10-minute call, got my rig on, pinned him to a locker, choking him as hard as I could, told him how I thought, how I felt, and told him what he can do with his life, and walked away. Not proud at all, but it, it was, I, I wanted to crush him, and I still have that feeling today. But I, I say that not, and, and back to it, I'm not proud of these moments, I'm proud of what I overcome. Yeah. And I say that because I have so many friends and so many people who tell me, you don't know what it's like, you don't know what it feels like, you don't know what it is, and I appreciate the respect you give me, and I fucking hate you for it because when I pay you respect, you deflect, and now I want to deflect. Yeah, it's easier. Yeah, it's so. Don't talk about me. I'll talk about you, <laughs> yeah, motherfucker. Yeah, you. <laughs> Watch out. Um, but I really wish people out there would understand. I get how hard it is. I see it in you. I see how much you struggle with people at times. I see how much you struggle with how you want to say things and want to do things. Um, I've listened to Steven say shit that I will not repeat about the way he wants to act. Mm-hmm. And then he goes out and he acts like a man. We all have these feelings, man. I feel like I've talked about this book before because it was uh, recommended uh, to me by a mutual friend, Jason Hyder, recommended The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Yes, sir. And uh, in this book, it talks about there is a moment between stimulus and reaction. And inside that moment lies choice, where you get to pick how you're going to react to, to any given thing. And the more aware you are of that moment, the bigger that moment becomes and you get to either go with what feels programmed and automatic and instinctive of this first sometimes angry response for someone with a temper, or you get to say, oh, I'm not going to be a victim of my own emotions here. Like when you hear someone talk about like, oh, well, you did this and it made me feel that way, so of course I reacted that way. It's like, man, are you saying that I have control over your feelings more than you do? Because sure, it can feel like that, but that's not the truth. 
But uh, the more, you know, I try and be aware of that moment, and I think that's effective. And even more than that, I just try and think, you know, I try and use my stress as a cue to tap into someone else who I know, who would do the thing, who would do the right thing in the situation. And I think about how they would respond to it. And usually that gets, I might not get as perfect of a response of this uh, role model of mine, but I'd probably give a better response than angry, thoughtless me might give. But, uh, man, it would take a lot for me to get into a fist fight right now. Like, 34-year-old me, you're going to have to do some shit if you want me to, to get in a physical fight with you and risk going to jail, losing my job, whatever whatever it was. Like, 16-year-old me, yeah, let's fight about whatever. Yeah. Whatever. No, I uh, I think 34, I was, I was just past it. 29 me? No, I was deep in it. What was the first fight you ever remember being in? Uh, I was in junior high school. Uh, no, sixth grade. Some junior high school kids were showing my sister their junk and hitting on her and flirting with her. I don't remember what the story is, but I had been told this warped version of the reality. And so I went to go defend my sister and told these big kids, like, don't leave, leave my sister alone. And they just kept beating me down and pushing me down and knocking me down. And one kid said, if you stop, we'll leave your sister alone. And in hindsight, I just think some buddies told me some stuff that I didn't understand. And I acted irrational with a hot temper. And these guys were very gracious not to kick my ass. I mean, that's that's how I can rebuild it logically now. <laughs> but that's my first time, and I got in a lot of fights over over time. Stupid, like not one of them could I tell you a good reason. Yeah. I, I'm, I mean, I, I I can laugh at them now. Young kids, like young males with testosterone, mm-hmm. especially exacerbated by someone who's got a temper. Yeah. Yeah, you will fight over some ridiculous shit. My uh, most I've gotten several physical altercations because somebody told me something about my sister and somebody else. Hey, um, you want me to tell you something about her, your sister? Yeah, go for it, bro. We're good friends. Hey, Debbie, what's up? What's up, Debbie? How you doing? <laughs> and and I, I think she knows some of this. She listens to the show, but I don't think she knows all of this. And I don't think she knows to what extent um, that, that I've actually gotten in altercations because of her. And, and I no, no shame, no hide. I think Debbie's physically got confrontational with one person. It was because they wouldn't stop shitting on me. Um, but we're all each other had our whole life. You know, imagine you move every seven months to four years, and so does everybody around you. So Debbie was just that, that rock that I guess I, I clung to. My senior year, God, we had trimesters, so uh, two trimesters or something like that. But it, uh, six, we're, seven. We're talking about school, not school, pregnancy. Yeah, yeah, man. Okay, great. <laughs> I, all I can remember, I think it was about two months worth of school that I ate lunch with my sister every fucking day because she hadn't found friends yet. And at some point, she was like, hey, you can go eat with your friends now. And she, I mean, she was super cool, and, but she said in that basic way, I'm like, mm-hmm. peace, I'm out. That was cool that yeah. she knew that you had her back. That's pretty awesome. Dude, it was cool she had mine, too. We, we fought a lot as kids, um, but anybody who said, hey, can I ask out your sister? I always said yes. And my homie's like, dude, what are you? I'm like, bro, she's going to say no to that. He's a piece of, tra- he's a piece of trash. I'm not going to make my friend mad. I'm going to let her do it. So we, always, we were always good with each other. I hate you, Debbie. I hate you. <laughs> so did uh, did your sister date much before she got married? Man, she dated quite a few really good guys. Um, do me a favor, write on my whiteboard, Jocko, and I'm just good with that. You know the name, Jocko. It's Steven sent you a Jocko thing recently, and he sent it to me, and I got to watch it still. Uh, what to do oh. if your teammate is showing. He, he did send me that, and it made me cry, actually. Yeah. You know that I will cry over, especially a good video. I will cry. Dude, I, it makes me laugh that people don't cry. Like I, I get that some people just don't. Hold on. I gotta look up the name. I was talking to Stephen about this earlier. 
today about the the name of this movie that if you especially if you're a dog person that will something wild no hang is on it, what's the book that they just read it's got willem dafoe in it i'm not sure beyond the wild called the wild called wild wasn't that it you know, it someone's listening to this right now being like, oh, it's this. They're yelling. Yeah, I'm supposed to be they looking know. at Facebook shit right <laughs> I'm, now. I'm, I'm looking so it up sorry, right now. Dude. I'm sorry, whoever you are. Um, Man, what Togo. is... Togo. It's called Togo. Not what I was thinking And it's all. about... The, the story is that they're... Uh, it's based on a true story in Alaska, I believe, that there's this crazy storm coming and there are all these sick kids and he needs to... He's driving a uh, uh, sled with dogs and he has to go get uh, the vaccine for these sick kids and get back to wherever before the storm hits. And, uh, man, he develops a real close relationship with his dog, and you can just imagine the rest. I'm not going to spoil anything, but, man, you should watch that movie because it had me bawling. Hmm. Like, I will shed a tear in an emotional moment in the movie and feel feel totally fine with that, but, man, it was next level. It was next level emotional. I'll I'll cry. Dude, you saw Hank lost a dog today? Yeah, maybe that's why it's on my mind. I uh, he said, "Don't leave a message and and love you to death, Hank." That was the dumbest thing you could write because you know we all love you to death and we're all gonna send you our love. But I picked up my phone and called him. He's he is a brother to me. Hank and I have a very tight relationship. And uh, leaving him a voicemail, just sending him my love, dude. I start. I had a tear rolling down my cheek. <laughs> I the phone. Oh my god, I'm a little bitch, man. Um, dude, losing a pet. I, that movie would make me just ball. It's tough. It would. Um, somebody asked, what is, without saying names, I think talking more about things, what causes the most drama on a DZ? Gosh, it's a lot of things. A lot of things can be dramatic. Sometimes it's a fun jumper acting, saying, or doing anything that someone else has a problem with. And uh, then maybe I'm just speaking from my, my role now that a lot of people, uh, and I invite people to do this, so I'm not complaining about it. I'm just saying this is a source of uh, some of the conversations I have to have. That uh, they did this thing, and someone has a feeling about it, so I address it. And then sometimes you get the other side of the story when you have this conversation. And it's like, oh, okay. And then you go back and forth, and you mediate things, and then you try and get people friends again. You know, you get it all back together. That's really the the end goal, right? Is you yeah. want to fix the fix the situation. But sometimes, um, you know, it can be. A jumper from somewhere else might do things differently than we do things. And I think that we do things pretty well, and most of what we do is is centered around safety. So I'm not ashamed to say that sometimes we do it better than the, the place that someone else uh, learned at. And there's usually a reason, you know, a learning moment that you can have with that person. But that doesn't mean that the person who brings it to your attention is going to be super calm about it. Some people get real shaken up when they see someone doing something that in their mind is a big threat to, to the safety of that person or others. Uh, a lot of personal stuff. You know, we spend a lot of time around each other at the drop zone. So just like someone that you live with or work with uh, for an extended period of time, you just have these grinding differences in personalities. That can be part of it. Um, That's why I get along with most people. I'm not there all the time anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it works out great for me. But it can, it can be a lot of different things. But... Uh, some, sometimes it's uh, even good drama, you know, that people like uh, our guest Claudio and all of his buddies are around doing some super cool skydives. And it's, uh, you know, not even a negative sort of uh, drama. It's just energy and, and cool, exciting things happening at the drop zone. A lot of extra demand on time and load, which are not bad things, but it does create a lot of energy drain. 
I, I the biggest thing you said is at the beginning for me, there's so much like problems that would be solved if we just spoke respectfully to each other and listened intently to intently to each other instead of going to complain to somebody else. What did you say? I wasn't listening. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, Justin, will you tell DJ to stop? Yeah, being so Asian. <laughs> Um, But if people would actually communicate with each other respectfully, Mm -hmm. I would not have to get involved with a lot of what I have to do. Um, If everybody would take responsibility for their own actions, like if you're 99% at fault, then I can still learn from my 1%. If you're 100% at fault, I can still learn how to avoid things like that better in the future. All I can do is what I can do. So instead of focusing on what the other party did wrong, let me focus on what I can do better. If people just did those couple things, man, the drama would be almost nothing. It really, earnestly, I don't know how much drama you would have then. I think it's really easy to see someone doing something wrong and judge them for that, right? Oh, sure, yes. But, but oftentimes that person doesn't realize that they're doing that thing wrong. Which you know what that means? I probably do shit wrong that I don't realize I'm doing. And, you know, I try and have an open mind, <laughs> an open mind about hey, I'm still learning. Like, I'm never going to be this finished thing. I'm still growing. I, there sh- you know, th- there, there still should be things that I'm working on. And when someone brings a thing to my attention and I m- immediately want to push back and, you know, be defensive about why it is, that I, I really make it, I don't always do a great job, but I, that's the thought I try and go to of, hey, may- maybe I am making a mistake that I'm just not aware of, just like the last person I saw make a mistake that they're not aware of. So... That's how I, I try and keep myself in check with defensiveness, but it still comes up. Yeah, you know, one thing I see a lot, um, and DJ and I were talking about this earlier, actually, but um, is reading too much into the intent of what someone said. Like, just because someone said something that might have like triggered an emotional response from you, don't read so much into it that it's like a personal attack against you. Mm-hmm. They might just be saying it to point it out or to keep you informed of something. And you're reading it from your point of view and it comes across as being like an aggressive or an attack type situation, especially when it comes to just something that's written like a text or an email. Um, I, I know I've done it before. I've read an email, um, you know, in my uh, work life that it sounds like, why is this guy such a fucking asshole? But in reality, he's just trying to get information and you just have to like take a step back and think about it from their perspective uh, you know, before you come at them, because all you're going to do is elevate the situation or escalate the situation and, you know, come to them with that high, that threatening attitude, then they're just going to come back at you and just keep escalating it. Yeah, the the sting of the critique is often not the intent of the critic, right? Like, even though it hurts to hear a thing sometimes, that's usually not what someone was, at, was right. after. Who said that? Uh, I feel like... Um, I heard it. No, no, no. I stole that shit. <laughs> it's from, uh, God, it, it's one of my favorite YouTube videos that I just haven't watched in a handful of years. It's, uh, fuck, I'm going to remember his name. Let's talk about something else. It'll, it'll come back. I, I need brain. you to send me that video next time you watch it. Anytime you watch a good video like that, just send it to me on Facebook or something. Um, because I'll probably take five minutes, 10 minutes out of my time to watch it. I enjoy those things. Um, oh, I, shit, it just, the name just ran through my head. Keep talking. I always have to look these things up when I'm sitting on the show because I will misquote them, but I, I always have the four agreements hanging on my bathroom mirror. Every morning I have a couple of things sitting on my bathroom mirror that I, I look at every day. One of them is my wife. 
One of them is a eye doctor appointment that I have to keep regularly because of some medical conditions I have. It's called being stupid. Um, it, one of them is a picture of the four agreements. So it, it is a be impeccable with your word. Mm-hmm. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions and always do your best. If you're sick today, do everything the best you can that day. If you're lower than normal that day, do everything you the best you can that day. Yeah, you, you might be doing it sick from bed and you might not be doing much, but do your best that you have today, every day. If that's 110%, then give 110%. Don't make assumptions, man. Just because I think you're asking, like, how many people do you and I ask questions to on a daily basis? And, and Justin, in your own world, you, you're a leader where you're at. How often do you ask somebody a question and they assume that you're asking a bad thing and start defending themselves? And you're going to like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm looking for your help, bro. Happens all the time, right? Yeah, they don't answer the question. They start pointing out other things. Yeah. Like, dude, I was here to help <laughs> you, man. So don't make assumptions. Like, more often than not, when people are approaching you, it's probably for a helpful reason and your your defensiveness and assumptive stance. And at the same time, Nick's statement of don't assume that person did something wrong on purpose, man. Most people are very apologetic and want to get better. Don't take anything personally. And I, I've talked about this so many times on the show, uh, so many times in my life. If you know me, I, I, I firmly believe this. I, I went to a school that I learned a lot from when I went to Bible college where a lot of life lessons I got out of that, religious or not, I don't care about. Um, well, to a point I do, but um, if anybody tells you anything that you take personal, you probably needed to hear it. Just step back, take 24 hours to digest it before you react or respond. Chances are you'll walk away feeling better about yourself because you know you have a problem that you can overcome, you can succeed in, you can work with, you can do whatever, just acknowledge it and be thankful that person pointed it out to you. Brittany Sanchez, you know Brittany? The video is called an invocation for beginnings. Yes, I know Brittany Sanchez. Invocations for beginnings. Um, invocation. I'm going to send it to Justin right now. Thank you. Um, Brittany and I were working full time. Well, she was part time on the weekends. I was full time in rotation. And one day I was getting short, just short tempered, short attitude. And I said something curt to a customer. And Brittany said, hey, sorry, my friend's being a dick right now. He doesn't usually act that way. So I forget the exact words, but it was that, <laughs> that, that straightforward as can be. And I looked at her. I said, thank you, ma'am. I'm so sorry. I mean, like she called me out in front of the customer. I took it personal enough that my friend was helping me. Like, dude, we were we, we were good before that, Brittany and I. But after that, I've, I found out you will tell me my shit stinks. That's a good friend. So don't take anything personally. She just tried to help me that day. I could have had a, a horrible enemy or a badass friend, man. She's a super cool chick. And be impeccable with your word. Do what you fucking say you're going to do. Just just do it, man. Do you find yourself ever uh, taking moral lessons from a thing that you would maybe have been opposed to in the past? Uh, man, I'd learned a lot of them that way. My life has changed dramatically because of being open to my mistakes and, disbel- and disbeliefs is what I would call them now. Change of beliefs. Do you, you might know this. And, you know, I think that this has something to do with Alcoholics Anonymous. My dad was uh, in AA for, he was sober for like, God. 20 something years by the time he passed away. Okay. And I I had gone to Alcoholics Anonymous meetings with him as a kid and you know he he used to volunteer at the the prison that was at the the point of the mountain in Utah where it's like right off of where lots of people go to learn to speed fly and paraglide. And so he would go out there and volunteer and do AA meetings out of the prison. And me like 9 years old, he would bring prisoners names to me and I knew how to write a, on a computer and I would type up letters about these prisoners going to AA meetings that would go to the, you know, to their lawyers to go to the the judge and whatever who was who was reviewing their case. But uh 
so I never really knew my dad as an alcoholic. I had a few negative memories as a really young kid about that. But, um, you know, he was in recovery, I guess, is what an alcoholic would, would say for, for most of my, my life that I remember. And there was this uh, saying that he, he had. It was, uh, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change those I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And I, when I was a kid, I, didn't, I couldn't connect with any of that. And now I'm okay. And I'm, I'm, still, uh, I'm still not a religious person, and I still don't I, like, identify with that in the, the God respect. And I'm not an alcoholic, so I don't identify with it in the same in the same uh, way that someone who goes to AA would, but thinking about what that means in life of uh, the, the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Like, yeah, there are some things in life that you just can't do shit about. I will never be taller than five foot five. It's never <laughs> going to happen. I'm okay with it, right? But, you know, there, there, there is a lot um, that all of us can do to change any situation that we might be in in life, and it does take courage to... Uh, stand up and know when it's the right time to make changes like that. And uh, I saw this. At, this is in my closet. Uh, when my dad passed away. You? No, I'm also in the closet. But when my dad passed away, um, he was in a really weird place in his life. He was going through a breakup and uh, with a breakup with his ex-wife to make it more complicated. He, They had been married. They had a kid together who is, uh, I want to say he's 15 years younger than me, so my half-brother. And so there was weird stuff going on with the kid. They had been married, gotten divorced, gotten back together. She was kind of taking care of him while, while he was sick. And he basically left everything in his will to this lady because they were in a breakup, and he was trying to, like, meld things with the breakup while he was also dying and on a lot of medication. And so, and my dad didn't have, you know, he didn't have a lot of money. You know, he didn't have anything saved up. He had gotten, um, when he was probably late 40s, maybe 50, he he had done martial arts for a good uh, chunk of his later life. And he had a black belt. He wanted always wanted to teach karate since he had started learning karate. So he invested a lot of money in starting a karate school. And uh, Shaolin Kempo was the, the martial art that he taught. And so he did this for a couple of years, and I think that ate up a lot of his money. And then he decided after that that he wanted to go back into nursing school or get, to get into nursing. So he goes back to nursing school. So he just had spent a lot of the money that he saved for his later life. And then he lucked out and died. And so it wasn't a problem that he had wasted <laughs> all his <laughs> money on this stuff. But uh, man, where, where am I going with all this? Oh, so... Um, we didn't, uh, the kids, me, me, my brother, my sister, there wasn't very much to, to pass around of his. You know, we went through his belongings after he had passed, and uh, things that I didn't think would have a lot of value suddenly had a lot of value. And there was this, the, 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 this same passage that I just quoted that grant me the serenity. Uh, my brother, my sister, and I had worked together on this little piece of artwork for my dad that I remember drawing as a little kid that we had written this all out on paper, the same passage and we had traced it in crayon and it was framed and it sat in my dad's house for as, as long as I can remember. And that was one of the only things that uh, that I got after he passed away was this framed piece of artwork that I worked on with my, with my brother and sister. And so I don't know if, if that's why it has such an impact on me now, those words, is because it's one of the very few things that I have to, to remember my dad by, or if it's just something that becomes more clear to you as an adult and you try and fail at some things, and you try and succeed at other things, 
and that you realize what's worth chasing and what's uh, worth being okay with. Sorry, that was a long rant to tell you about that drawing. No, man. It, it's uh, a... We tell our guests all the time, it's just the way the show works, man. And uh, But I, w- I guess I asked that question in the beginning to... I wouldn't have imagined my my younger self. I wouldn't have imagined me taking anything from this thing. It was just a thing that my dad had written down. Do you uh, you know you have a religious background? I wonder if you've taken any moral lessons from something that you may have been morally uh, object to earlier in life. Oh man, Uh, dude! I I think one of the first biggest uh, moral changes I made in my life is my feeling on gays. Uh, when I was growing up, if you were gay or homosexual, it is a mortal sin. They're blah, 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 blah. All these very, very strict Baptist beliefs. You can just picture where I'm at now, right? Yep. And I was actually going to Bible college. I am not going to tell you I was the best student at the Bible college before I tell you the rest of the story. Best in what way? Best, Uh, smartest, best, well-behaved? So I was meeting some of my buddies I worked with at a restaurant at a bar so we could go out to a dance club afterwards. Woo! Does that tell you the rest of the story? Hell yeah. (laughs) Okay, cool. Boots and pants. Uh, Boots boots and pants and pants and boots and pants. Um, The uh, One of the guys who worked there was gay. And I dealt and was around him because my friends were, and I was just respectful to him just because it was the easiest thing to do, but I really could have no care for him in my life, period. And we both showed up at the bar at the same time, kind of forced to sit down and have a drink together. I just had a Coke, but just like, yeah, you want to drink? I'm just drinking Coke. Uh, Most of my life, I was never a drinker early on, no matter what. Um, And I talked to this dude for 15 minutes. And he's the nicest motherfucker in the world. I was like... Okay, so you like to suck dick. I like to pick my boogers and eat it. Pretty gross, <laughs> isn't it, man? I mean, like, how can I judge you for that thought? How, how can I, how can I judge you for that choice? And, and, I, I that was a huge breaking point for me, because anything else in my life that I believed in, I can now no longer believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I probably the most impactful thing in my life was that moment. That gentleman, gosh, I could remember. I wish I could remember his name. But he was one of the servers at the restaurant, and just, dude, he he his kindness, his genuineness, uh, changed changed me as a human being. Period. Straight up. That's a really great story. Yeah, I mean that that uh, you know I always love to. I think you're someone who does this really well of believing, seeing the good in people, and believing that people can learn and that people can change, and to hear <laughs> Sometimes real. Sometimes to a detriment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the truth. <laughs> but hearing that real, you know, that real life uh, story about, hey, I, I had this thought and was wheel- willing to consider the the chance that I'm wrong, at least about this one guy. Mm-hmm. But letting letting the goodness of a person change your mind, I think that's pretty great. Yeah. I regularly question almost everything I believe. I thought you were going to say your sexuality. I do. I, I, <laughs> I will. I straight up will question my sexuality. I will sit there and see a gay scene, two guys kissing a movie, and I look at him like, am I into this shit? Yeah, <laughs> like, I really, I, 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 man, how many times have you heard of somebody their whole life have been in a stage and they fought denial and it made them so unhappy? Oh, my God. Can I tell a story? Please do. Okay, so I did body piercing for a long time. You know this, but yeah. maybe not all of our listeners do. <laughs> that. Uh, that's what got me into skydiving. One year anniversary of owning our own business is Piercing Studio. We went skydiving. But uh, lots of people share things with you, just kind of like the, the same relationship with a with a tandem instructor. If you have this unique bond, you go with someone through what can be a scary experience, and then they bond with you and they open up with you. And there was this guy, open up to you. I don't know. Why is that funny? Okay, great. So, <laughs> so there was this gentleman. Okay, so 
when you work in body piercing, like people people would ask just like you know the same questions that we get as skydivers. There are same common questions that that people will ask someone who does body piercing for a living. And people are like, what's the craziest thing you've ever done? And they're going to think, like, oh, I touched a dude's dick once. But, dude, I have touched more penises than any woman I know. Like, is a really normal part of the job, right? So when you know a person that has genital piercings, they don't stand out as odd. Because this is just the world. Like, people who jump out of airplanes don't stand out as odd to me. But they might to someone who's never done it before, right? So this guy didn't stand out on my radar as different for any reason. He was just a dude who did this thing that that a lot of our clients did, and it was totally normal. And uh, he would come in, um, uh, you know, every once in a while. He was, he was married. He uh, was a Mormon missionary and, and uh, now had a family, had kids, and had been married for a long time, at least 20 years. And he had his dick pierced. He had a Prince Albert piercing is what it's called. And uh, he had successfully hidden it from his wife for the couple of years that he had been a client of ours. And so I don't know how he managed to, to do that. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they didn't shower together. They didn't do anything together, whatever. But he uh, <laughs> he hadn't uh, let her find out about this. And then one day, this is after he'd been um, coming to see us for a few years, he said, uh, I told my wife about my piercing the other day. And I was like, oh, my God, how did that Like, how did that go? And just, just like in skydiving, you could, sometimes you're like, someone's makeshift therapist, you know? Like, they're just going to divulge some shit to you, and you're there, so you got to talk to him about it. So I said, man, how, how did that go? And he's like, well, it went really well, because five minutes earlier, I told her I was gay. <laughs> like, my whole... <laughs> like, I, this dude... I think I have pretty good gaydar. And this dude was not on it at all. Had no idea. Just thought he was just a random dude who liked this thing. And... uh and seeing him open up and be able to be himself after he thought that we all knew he was gay. It's like, no, dude, you're just you're just some dude. You're just some guy yeah. who's a nice guy. But that he had gone this entirety of his life raising kids and everything, being uh, he started talking about women. He's like, yeah, I just don't know what's attractive about women. And it's like, dude, what are you talking about? <laughs> women are beautiful. What's wrong with you? The lines. <laughs> but he he told me about these stories of being in like uh, he reached out to the the head of the Mormon Church when he was a young kid, saying, "Hey, I have these feelings. I don't know what to do about it." They put him through shock therapy, all this crazy stuff. He had all these all these <laughs> stories about it. He hid all of this from his wife, from his kids, until one day he's like, "Yep, I'm gay, and I got my dick pierced." But just to see the uh, the freedom that this guy had to be himself after that was uh was really beautiful and to see other you know there was another dude who comes to mind just just because we're talking about yeah. ab- about gay folks and and uh <laughs> there's this other guy who was a police officer and another dude who was fully not like i didn't think this dude was gay no idea and he's talking about this uh that he's not a patrol officer that he's usually doing this stuff and he has an undercover car and he doesn't he doesn't make uh traffic stops he's like but there was this kid that was uh driving so reckless and yada 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 and i had to pull him over i still i still don't know this this I know this guy's a cop, but I don't know, don't know he's gay at this point. And he's like, yeah, and then I pulled him over, and and then, man, he was crying, and, man, he was just so fucking cute. I had to let him go. And I was like, whoa, dude. I mean, like, you can, like, being cute and crying really does get you out of traffic oh tickets, God, man. I'm going to start crying next time well, I see the cop and he has a lisp. Yeah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully he finds you attractive. But man, maybe like uh, hairy Asian men. <laughs> if if you have a prejudice against gay folks, god damn, get get with it. I dude, you know, it's it's 
You got to be more open-minded, man. You know, I, I think people people who don't have a problem with gay people probably don't have any gay friends. You probably never met a, a person who is gay, and you realize that they're just a normal person who likes it different in the bedroom than, than you do. If you so have a problem with gay people, I would like to introduce you to and have you hang out for two days with my friend Brian Menard. Perfect and if example. that doesn't change your mind, you He's are a fun guy. Fucked. He's real great. Dude, Brian Menard, uh, Brian Menard and I have had some very, and we'll have... Super kind, great dancer, sing some mean karaoke. Killer dancer, yeah. Introduce me to my girlfriend. We've had some very curious uh, and, and interesting conversations about homosexuality and gay, and, and it's very interesting, and if you're really good friends with him, have those conversations, but man, if you can't like a gay person, if you can't like Brian Menard, you're, you're broken. You're fucking broken, dude. He is one of the nicest guys in the world, so change your fucking mind. The thing that you said over and over again though was this gentleman had the freedom to be himself and then you talked about the power of choice those are two things you've said recently in this whole conversation and the two things i latch on to for my life mottos is number one man i have a superpower i really absolutely do and every single one of us do and i'm super cheese dick when i say all of this but man i can choose to feel the way i want and you might think it sounds silly that i say that but how many times have you, uh, either one of you guys, immediately been overcome with an emotion, stopped, took a breath, made a decision, went another way with it, and hindsight, you were like, man, I feel so good. Like, you felt powerful through that. It was it was empowering in the best possible way. You know what? I, it's a superpower. It really is to I, me. I get a lot of pride in those moments. I, I do agree. Yeah. I mean, it, it's... It, it, try to overcome the emotion and the joy. I get... When I say pride, it's not that... That... that horrible envious version it's that like man just fulfilling well overwhelming just fulfillment it's just such a good feeling well you know the feeling when you think back about you know a conversation you had with someone and you think god why did i say that why did i do that dude i think about that shit from like third grade of like <laughs> oh my god i can't believe i said that thing in front of those people and then i think about it it happened yesterday <laughs> happened yesterday Be like god i'm an idiot why did i say that but when i when I do the thing that you just talked about, about practicing that patience and choosing my emotion, it's like it's like a negative, like it's the opposite of one of those. It's the opposite of one of those. I mean, why the fuck did I say that? It's like a, hey, I made a really good decision and this conversation, interaction, whatever, was more productive and positive and I'm less of a piece of shit than I was yesterday. That's how that feels. Man, I, I have those same problems and my favorite thing is, is that thought stopping process where you just immediately say stop to yourself. And then you collaborate and listen. And Ice is back <laughs> with brand new edition. Man, oh god damn that song. Um anyways. Don't stop me now. now. Um the fuck me, you just did that to me. <laughs> did, I, did I scramble your brain? Oh uh, yeah, it was pretty easily scrambled, man. I've I've had a pretty it re- I took the afternoon off and relaxed. You know Ed mm-hmm. Bro- Ed Brockton, uh, Glass Eyed Ed? Yeah. Yeah, uh, he plays Call of Duty, and I spent a little bit of the afternoon playing Call of Duty because I knew I couldn't play for the next few nights. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've had a very relaxing afternoon. Good. I took some time off. You should take some tomorrow. I might. You might. You might come hang out here. Well, there's a problem with the SCP radios. They got left out in the rain, and they've mm. been uh, malfunctioning. So Steven just found us a couple more receivers, so I'm going to go troubleshoot some radios in the morning, and then maybe I'll have a day off after that. That would be nice. That would be nice. Uh, are we still using Houston Radio or something like that? Yeah, Houston Communication, I think yeah, is the name that's of the company. Yep. Dude, I uh, it took me forever to... There, we tried so many different radios over time with the drop zone, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, without going into too much detail, we do not use the cheapest fucking things out there. Yeah, those are expensive radios, yeah. which is why they're getting... 
fixed, hopefully, before they have to be replaced. Yeah, so Steve and I sat down, Senior and I sat down and went over the pros and cons of what we could and couldn't have, and he wanted to invest in something that was as durable as possible. And, uh, man, finding those people were a blessing because they are they're, they're a godsend to us, man. They treat us well. Steven is a bang-up guy and had some errands to run in the city, and he's actually the one that dropped them off. Nice. Do they sell more of like if I went there and I w- said I want to buy more of these radios right now today? No, I can't get it today because we have them specially programmed. Okay, Roger. So what we have um, is do I, we'll talk about this. Tell me if we're getting too nerdy or stuff. Yeah, you guys are going to be bored listening about skydiving radios, but sorry, you got two nerds talking about skydiving stuff. So our student radios are just receivers, not transmitters. Number one, they're more compact. They're not bulky. They work really well. They're meant for EMS, emergency medical, whatever. So meaning the student's radio only hears it doesn't broadcast back. Roger that. Um, Let's get nerdy as fuck. Uh, So they're meant to be pagers. So firefighters, paramedics, et cetera, are in Subway Uh getting a sandwich, and they shouldn't hear this this code over the air. People don't need to hear this. So it beeps on them. They go to a place, and they push the button that we use to test to see if it's working, that squawk button on the Mm -hmm. side. And that's the play button for the playback feature to play the voicemail they now have. That's how these are programmed. It's probably interesting conversation to people who went through STP at Skydive Spaceland and nobody else. Yeah. So we have them reprogrammed to instantly play. Mm-hmm. So it's a live thing, and we have them programmed to certain frequencies. So they have to be co- they have to be crystal crystals have to be changed, and program has to be changed. So that's kind of cool. It, it's uh, just cool that you can talk to someone <laughs> from the ground. Like, yeah. you're standing on the ground staring up at this parachute at 3,000 feet, and they can hear you. Yeah. One of my other stupid favorite things I know about our radio system, I think you know this. How do you know a student canopy is coming home or going away from far away? Do you want me to answer that question? Yes. The uh, left, stripe on the left, left is leaving. Yep. And uh, right's coming home. Right returning. Left leaving, right returning. Uh, I wouldn't have thought right returning, but I just yep. thought left leaving. It and that's that's uh, Chris Fudala did teach me that, yeah. and uh, not not all not all that long ago. If you have a student program anywhere in the world, I highly recommend you put a stripe on the student's left side, the wearer's left side, and that stripe means if the stripes on the left side, while I'm on radio, the student's leaving, going away from me. If the stripes on the student's right side or my right side, it's on the student's left. My right side, it means they're returning to me, left leaving, right returning. It has saved my ass when a student's far away. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it's, it's, I would love to take credit for this genius. <laughs> I don't know if Spaceland ordered our canopies that way the first time on purpose or not, um, because it was pre my time. But uh, when we figured out that that was a, a system, a process we could follow, it's been locked in ever since. Uh, ever since, man. Yeah, that's one of those little things that just is such a huge like hack when you figure it out yeah. of like oh this makes that other really difficult thing so easy yeah one of our managers over time wanted to change canopies and color schemes and i i argued on the symmetrical stripe problem and he had all these arguments and and when he finally heard me i'm like i got one argument left leaving right returning gave him the rest of the story and he's like okay so asymmetrical stripe it is i'm like yeah, mm. it, it works bro it, it, it's it is you you've been out there watching students have you ever wondered which way they're going before I knew this trick, I sure did. Yeah. And Justin, I'm positive you use it all the time because we teach it to you in AFF. Yep, for sure. Yeah. Or I n- not say AFF because USPA and everybody does it, but I know Hank. Did Hank do your orientation or did I? STP orientation. The STP orientation was uh, Hank, yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm positive Hank went over it because he has the most thorough orientation ever. I uh, he, he used to do the STP orientation in just over six hours. I do it in two. <laughs> so, yeah. Um yeah, and uh, mine mine was one of those long ones because it was a weather day. 
So I got to like lay on the ground and Justin. Uh, we all know that you've got that. one of those long ones. All right. Oh, you don't have to brag about <laughs> it. <laughs> See that thing swinging around? Goddamn, man! It's uh, watch out. <laughs> I actually taught this lesson to Hank, and I'm not. And it, this is a little bit of a bad story on Hank, but that's the worst part of it. Um, I love Hank to death because he would own this story. I would uh, Hank sit through one of mine and let's see the difference. And the difference was is I would never. This is an STP orientation. We're not training an instructor. We're crossing them into our program. Hey man, how would you teach this? Oh perfect, we do too. How would you teach this? This oh perfect, we do too. By the way, this is why. Hey, how do you teach? Oh great. Hey, how do you teach? This? Okay, let's talk about that. I assume you know everything until you tell me what I yeah, need to talk like, about. Yeah, it's like recurrency training is a similar approach. Right, dude. I am the laziest motherfucker in the world. I'm not going to teach you shit. Tell me what I have to teach you. Okay, I'll teach you that. Perfect. It, it, it's it Really, be lazy. It's smart work. Um, but make sure they know the things you ask them. And Hank would tell them everything. He's learned. He's gotten much better. And Hank is that perfect example of the people we keep talking about. Be open to your criticisms. Be open to your mistakes. Hank used to get his feelings way fucking hurt. I love Hank to death, and I'm so sorry, brother, if I'm throwing you under the bus too much right now. But Hank would come to me one day and go, I went home crying last night because of you. You went home crying because of me. Yeah, what happened? And there were times, no doubt, I was probably a dick to him, and I say probably there are no doubts. I can say specific times I was a dick to him, and I don't blame him for being upset the way I treated him. Absolutely do not blame him. But there are multiple, more than not occasions, when I said, Hank, did I say anything to offend you? No. Did I do anything to offend you? No. What did I say? Nothing. Did I say this? Yes. Is there anything offensive about? No. Did I have an offensive tone on? No. Okay. I uh, please let me know because I I'm sorry. I want to apologize. And in the end, he goes, "Man, it's just me being butthurt." He'd say different words, but now Hank has realized that emotion. He's processed through that fucking emotion, and I can go to Hank now and say something rude as fuck about what he's doing wrong, and he will smile and say thank you because he he. And when when I say rude as fuck to you as a friend, you know I'm just shitting on you for fun. Like, it's the better friends we are, the more shit we talk, probably. And, uh, man, be open as Hank is, man. Hank is, you've known him a while. How much has he grown? He's grown a lot. It's funny, this isn't the first time I've had this conversation about Hank today. I love you, Hank. Love Hank. But, uh, no, that, uh, you know, I I think most people, let's see, can I say that? I would say more than just a couple people that I know have continued to... To, you know, you see people grow as they get older, and you see people grow from their mistakes, oh. and you see the people that don't, and I know which one I hope to be. But, uh, no, Hank's uh, he's come a long way. He's really in control of his uh, reaction to, to most things most of the time, and I, I, from an outside perspective, it sure seems to serve him a lot better, and uh, he seems to enjoy it too. So Hank's setting a good example once again. I'm so fucking stoked, dude. He is, uh, the rating center was, uh, uh, our first inception business license, whatever, was 2008. I was an examiner well before, but 2008 is when I founded the rating center LLC. Hank has been with us since 2009, as far as the rating center goes. And you talk about growing together. You've, you've known me a while as well. And, uh, dude, we have grown together, and I'm so fucking just honored i'm stoked he's on our team man he he is such a good representative of the sport and what we do so i love him in this community steven and i were talking about his job and how recently handing the reins over to you i mean let's be real steven just cut himself out of a job by giving you a job right yeah a little bit yeah now he can fulfill other roles and other positions and and you and i have had the conversation and and so steven and i 
that I think he's better served in those positions because he has a lot more effect, a lot more things going on. He's more involved with the global scene of what we do. Um, and I think he's fit for it, man. I think it I suits him well. fully agree with that. Yeah. Um, and I think you suit this job better than he does, but it, it's weird handing those reins over. And for me, I remember a day and age that if you're a kid, you're a skydiver and your kid was going to do a tandem or learn to skydive, there's only one person they were going to do it with, and it was me. Nonstop on Facebook, if somebody said, who does my kid do a tandem with? I was commonly a go-to name. There were a couple others as well, but I was, I was the Hank of the time. And the first time I saw Hank's name be the go-to person, every brag on Hank, I was a little butt hurt, bro. I was like, <laughs> there was a little jealousy, like straight up that little demon popped his head in and, and I let it go. I was like, man, get over it. Just get the fuck over it. The second time I'm like, mm, still hurts a little bit, but e- every time it hurt less. And now I look at that and say, look at my homie shine, man. If you get that envy, you get that bitter, you get that bug. Look at your homie shine, dude. It is such a cool place to celebrate your homies accomplishments it, it's you know how i feel about celebrating my friend's successes it, mm-hmm. it, it is i strive for it every day um man if you, if, if you get jealous of your friend celebrate their success and i bet money your success will grow with them bet it man it's uh you mean being bitter and jealous doesn't help me it doesn't shit it really doesn't fuck you claudio god i wish <laughs> 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 oh man, it, it, it's it's interesting, dude. How has uh, how are you dealing with time management? Personal time management. Oh, personal time. Yeah, yeah, I gave that up. Man, I really, I really hope you guys can come to a place. Um, I man public laundry right now or airing laundry. No. Um, but I really hope Spaceland and you can figure out a way to uh, accommodate that for you. Um, no, and it's 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 mm, it's a unique time in the world right now. Yes, sir. And it's a unique time for Spaceland as well because we're operating on a smaller team than we usually do, which puts puts some stress on things. And we're coming back from this shutdown that has never happened before and a pandemic we've never dealt with before. And I'm new to the manager role, so I have all sorts of reasons to be there and to want to be learning new stuff. And sometimes, uh, honestly, it's easier for me to... Like today, I didn't do a ton of work stuff today. I made a few fun jumps. I did do some some like official okay. manager stuff, had a couple meetings, um, but there was a good chunk of the day where I was just there. I just jumped. I had fun, okay. and uh, but there's less anxiety for me being there than there is at, at home being like, God, what am I missing right now? What happened? What happened? What, what happened that I didn't see? What what thing that I didn't you know? What, what did I not learn today? What did uh, you know my bosses see that I should have seen first? What what questions won't I have an answer to? So instead <laughs> and of Steve sitting, likes answers, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> does. So so does everybody who's in charge of anything else. Yeah. You know, if, if I was paying you to do a thing and I asked you about that thing, mm-hmm. I'd expect you to be able to tell me something about it. Yeah. So I think it's fair. No, I ask for answers but, too. So, but uh, you know, I I think as the summer dies down and uh, we get to get a better sense of what we need staffing wise and what the you know. Uh, Traditionally, our season really slows down when school goes back in session. And that's not happening for a lot of schools. And so it's, you know, I'm interested to see if our uh, business slows down at about the same point that it usually does or if uh, this just kind of keeps keeps rolling. I don't know. People aren't taking vacation. Where are they going to spend their money? Skydiving, I hope. 
And this has been a thing that's been talked about, not just at Spaceland, but a lot of drop zones, that there's a big um, influx of uh, solo students, of STP students, of AFF students. And, uh, you know, even though uh, most of most of our business numbers are, you know, we're really fortunate that, uh, and I don't know if this is the skydiving world as a whole or if it's skydive Spaceland, but um, compared to what many businesses are doing, we're having really close to a normal normal summer which is awesome because who knew what was going to happen when when things started back up and how scared are people going to be to be on airplanes with strangers and you know can we keep up this mask thing and what whatever else so uh it's been real fortunate but we compared to our tandem numbers our aff numbers are even higher than they were last year and so uh it's pretty cool to see a sport especially an expensive sport like skydiving growing in a challenging time for, for most people financially and where there's this crazy you know pandemic happening that who, who knows how long that stuff's going to hang around for but um it's uh awesome for the future of skydiving that we see the numbers of uh of skydivers coming up and that uh, we're at a place where we get to have a pretty big influence on the quality of skydivers and especially you with the number of instructors that you make and that y- they all hopefully carry that that wealth of safety knowledge forward and continue to make uh, better skydivers wherever they go. So uh, it's a pretty awesome time. So to, to answer your uh, <laughs> question, I don't mind being at work a lot right now because there's just a lot going on. And uh, if I wasn't at work, I mean, Sam, my lovely little Asian girlfriend, uh, my tiny little dumb brown girlfriend, she is the only reason that I really feel like I have to take time off because she is really good to me. And, uh, you know, I've probably said this to we her, love you, Sam. but I've said this. She She's not on social media, so I don't have to worry about her hearing me talk nice about her. But, uh, you know, I've said this to a lot of people of, you know, I knew that when I took this manager role that I would be spending more time at the drop zone. And I already spent a lot of time at the drop zone. And uh, she has dinner for me almost every night. She uh, does my laundry. She folds my clothes. She takes, when I think of how a supportive woman would support her fella, she's doing all of that shit and uh, makes me love her even more than I used to love her. And uh, so I owe her. I owe her a day. I owe her a day of of my week. And she, because she fucking earns it, man. I am not an easy person to put up with all the time <laughs> and she's doing it better than anybody else so uh no mm. i i owe her that day and so if she has that day off that i can you know i've tried to make tuesdays my day and if she has that day off i'm gonna spend it with her and i'm gonna you know my phone still rings and i still have to look at a couple emails and i still might have to take a phone call or do whatever but i do make a really conscious effort to to be with her consciously as much as i can but short of that i would still spend that day at the drop zone and I know that that might not be the most mentally healthy thing, that it's good to have a break. Like you can only yeah. hold your breath for so long before you got to take another one and reset. So uh, I know that it might burn out my patience or it might burn out my love for skydiving if I push too hard. But I am aware of this at least so that I know when I'm having that feeling that I need to have a few fun jumps like I did today or I need to, you know, have my have my whatever. I could have I could have a day off by myself. If I wanted, <laughs> but I don't, I don't. I don't think I could do it. I've gone through several Spaceland managers in my career. 
um, between the different DZs now. Mm-hmm. Um, it it kind of, it, it's really weird to think that way. Um, I've seen tons of chief instructors come and go, lead instructors come and go. I've mm-hmm. seen a few managers, a couple at a, one place, a few here. And um, I think you have the best grasp, grasp so far on what you just said. Um, I do agree that days on the DZ can be taxing, um, but at the same time, I think you do the best job of disconnecting while you're there um, because you've seen me on the drop zone on a day off. Um, it's, it's not uncommon. You, you ever hear me call them marketing days? I'm on a mar- I have a I've marketing heard you, Yeah, I've absolutely heard you yeah. say that. Um, so it, 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 for just anybody who's listening, if I'm on the drop zone and I don't have any business committed, I call them marketing days. And what it is is it's my simple way to lie to myself that it's okay to hang out at the DZ for the day. Because I'm commonly very inaccessible, especially when I'm in courses, and tons of people have really legit questions, tons of people want to ask about courses, tons of people have what they feel like are really stupid questions, but have you ever earned a coach rating before? No. Then of course you don't know what to do. Have you ever taken an AFF course before? No, of course you don't know what to do. So your questions aren't really dumb at all, man. Like I, I sent you documents recently on how I prepare people for courses. Did you look at any of those PDFs? Coach course tandem course oh yes okay now i know what you're talking about yeah. yep I, I i i hold your hand through that document would you say that's pretty fair uh i would say it could be understood by even uh people with a far lower iq than me and uh which is saying a lot and my expectation is just you've never done this before you don't know what to do because you've never done this before and, and i'm happy to help you and i fucking forget exactly where i was going with 100 percent of that um, <laughs> that your your marketing days on the drop zone. Yeah, I'm there to answer those dumb questions because they're not dumb. I'm there to help people. I'm here to do things. So I, I get that I can be on the DZ working, but relaxing at the same time. And I think you do a good job. I I, I do see you relax sometimes. Um, and I'm glad to hear that you're aware that there's some point you're going to have to completely disconnect, unplug. Uh, remember vacations. Um, man, I, I I I'm positive you know this. We've talked about this together uh, privately. Are you flexing your ears on purpose regularly? Uh, no, I grind I grind my teeth a lot. Okay, because it makes your headsets flex. It's because <laughs> of this hat. The hat's a little wider yeah. than the normal. <laughs> See it dancing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I grind my teeth when I sleep, and so my jaw muscles are, like, really fucking strong. <laughs> and so, yeah, when I push my teeth together, yeah. that's what happens. I don't look at you face-to-face often. I've been watching your headsets <laughs> do this all. Have but you, think, you watched this before, haven't you? Hold on. Yeah. This is new to me. <laughs> I, I feel like it might be better without this, uh, with, without the hat on, because this hat's <laughs> wider than most hats that I wear. Man, I was looking to build hats were dope. I yeah, like those. I like those, man. I, uh, I have notice it as much now. No, it doesn't make the headphones move as much. I have to watch yep. your cheeks this time, so I, I don't notice it as much. I've got a fucking broken tooth that I've been messing with a lot. I gotta get it fixed. I have, uh, man. I yeah. I don't need to talk about dental work. I need a lot of it. It's un- I'm very stupid. Um, when I, I I have a absolute horrible fear and phobia of dentist. I also ha- most dentists will tell me your neck's impossible to get numb. You feel anything we do. I feel every bit of pain when a dentist drills into anything or touches anything, and it doesn't matter how much they numb me up. Unless I'm unconscious, I don't. I, I like tell me when you can feel do, something. Do you get the silly gas? Um, I vomit. Hmm. Yep. Yeah, that is not fortunate. Not fortunate at all. Um, my mom is a uh, grew up as a dental hygienist in Japan. Not grew up, but that's what she was when my dad met her. And she's a dental assist- assistant in America. And I would say hmm, 75% of my dental visits has been with my mom in the chair by my side. I am a fucking mama's boy when it comes mm. to the dentist. And she'll tell every doctor the same thing. My son is difficult when it comes to pain. He like, I have a very high threshold of pain unless it's in my mouth and then get 
fucked, I want to punch you. Um, so I have this huge phobia of dentists. I have this huge fear. You know how like I'm frightful of my face in the first place? Oh, yeah. Yeah, dude. I, I So inside your face is even worse. It makes sense. Yeah, dude. I'm <laughs> missing teeth. Like legit, I'm missing teeth. I, I, I have a very, very bad mouth problem going on. So I didn't. You didn't know that, did you? No. I'm missing no. like a couple on each side. Hmm. I see where I'm pushing. I see where you're pushing. Yeah, you can tell my fingers going into my mouth because I don't have teeth there. Hmm. So it, it's uh, I, I have, yeah, work to do. Well, I blew out the side of a molar on an olive pit. Oh. Oof. And then oh. Uh, a cherry pit and a date pit all in the same spot. Oh. So it's bugging. It's bugging me. Are you past the pain and it's now it's just loose? Oh, it doesn't. I mean, it's not even loose. It's uh, it's just there. It's just annoying. And food gets jammed up in there and I find mm. myself tonguing at it. And then, yeah, I just don't like it. It's not It's not great. Sam appreciates that. Exercising that tongue muscle. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Just not <laughs> utilizing the exercise very often, honey. <laughs> yeah, man. You, <laughs> you go home, take a shower, and pass the fuck out. That's uh, the most exciting life partner. <laughs> Man, it's uh, it is. How fortunate are we, though? I mean, you and I, I think both are in, in super steep parts of our career right now. Um, I, I work a lot. I have brought on a lot of different side business and contract for me, and the rating center is just doing wonderful. You're managing one of the largest DZs in the industry right now, and we're just having a fun time riding, man. Having a good time, <laughs> having a good time. <laughs> Don't stop. Sorry. I God. mean, dude, I just. I'm sorry for whoever listens to this podcast, and especially if they've broken it up into a few sections and this song has gotten stuck in their head multiple times. This is the third day of me walking around going, I've been, ever since I saw Umbrella Academy, it's been stuck in my fucking head. Mm. And that's a great mm. song. Man, if you're not a fan of Queen, you should give it a shot. They make great music. Man. What, what, uh, Wayne's World got me hooked on Queen. Oh, yeah, yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody is a sure, big man. big one in that movie. For sure, yeah, that is what got me. I, w- I was uh, hanging out with a girl named Tanya at the time. And uh, she got me stuck on Wayne's World and uh, actually Nat King Cole. So Nat King Cole is one of my favorite artists, period, in the statement. Like, I will I listen to Natalie Cole's album, Unforgettable, which is her covering all of her dad's hits. Um, and I listen to Nat King Cole all the time. I uh, My favorite artist right there. Like, there's... If I could die with one album, it would probably... I would have a hard time between Nat and Natalie. Like, that's how strong I feel about them. Hmm. Um... You don't hear me do it regularly, but I'm regularly singing or humming uh, Nat King Cole tunes. Route 66, All in Colored Sky. Oh, okay. I know Route 66. I was yeah, going to tell Mona you that Lisa, I didn't, didn't know Lisa. any of his songs. but Unforgettable. Unforgettable. That's what you are. Unforgettable. Oh, my God. Nope, that song is a little bit forget- forgettable for me. <laughs> Man, it's and it really there's an age thing for me because in 1991-ish, 92, Natalie Cole releases cover album of her father who was long dead and... And I mean, maybe in this, like Nat King Cole, Unforgettable. When was that first produced? Let me know, Justin. Um, it was super cool because they actually had technology where this was new for CGI for us then, where they actually spliced my dad and daughter singing the duet together. Mm. So, uh, dude, it makes me feel so old knowing you have no clue who this is. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I think you would recognize it if you heard somebody sing it. Who could I, sing I probably it. would. Yeah. If, if I heard the song, I'm sure I'd, I'm sure I'd recognize 1952. it. 1952. Yeah. Route 66, I think I mentioned that one. Yeah, get your, get your kicks. kicks on Route yeah. 66. I know that one. Um, straighten up and fly. Man, so many movies you've heard their song, his songs in. He's super, super well-known. I mean, I know his name. And Count and Basie, Duke Ellington, that's a whole era that I absolutely, that's, 
Uh, Ella Fitzgerald, you'd probably know her name for that from that era. I'd recognize it. I mean, you could tell me. I there is music that I listen to who I couldn't tell you anything about the people who make it. What is what and music? You've listed so many songs that I've played like I don't know how many times in jazz band. It's I mean yeah, it's j- so jazz it's is huge. what it is yeah, right there. Uh, mm-hmm. Big bands, small group ensemble mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah, dude, love jazz, man. I don't know what it is, especially the big band era. Um, scat, man, I don't... Just something I like. Don't know why. I'm a scat man. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know that one. Yeah. It, it's what, what uh, The other music I listen to that most of my friends realize when they hang out with me enough that they don't realize is I love blues. If I'm chilling around the house, blues plays regularly. You've actually come to my house with blues playing. Yeah. It. Yeah. And then you talk to Alexa like she's a normal person. Dude. Tell her to turn the lights on. Have you done, fucking bitch. Have you done the fart <laughs> noise yet? <laughs> oh, yes. That provided a substantial amount of entertainment. <laughs> Dude, in my house. isn't it fucking awesome? <laughs> That's pretty <man>. silly. <laughs> Alexa, make fart noises. Uh, my only goal in this podcast at this moment in life is <laughs> to know that somebody's listening to it. Hey, Alexa, <laughs> make a fart sound. <laughs> and that just happens. <laughs> oh man, I'm I'm <sighs> that was a wet and sweaty one. <laughs> I was like, Jesus. <laughs> Have you done do you know this? I haven't done I I remember y'all talking about it, but I forgot to yeah. do it. I I am getting confused now between Justin and Elsa. I know it's really easy to confuse the two of them. Um practically the same person. I, I forget which one of you guys were here for which conversation. It's you just both got that pretty mouth. <laughs> 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 Sorry, got weird. I don't know. How do you respond to that? I'm attracted to Justin. (laughs) Ed Broderick got a little awkward today when I told him I would make love to Bruno's Mars if he'd let me. I mean, I'd have Bruno's baby. Sometimes there's one man that's just beautiful enough. I also, he he shit all over the idea that Bruno's songs are all written by somebody else, and I don't disbelieve that. Like, how many artists? Someone's Alexa just farted at him. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Paul Van Laura. God, that makes me so happy. (laughs) Yes, it worked. Thank you, Paul. Um,. Uh, and then I found out Bruno writes most of his own music too. He's a songwriter. Huh. Like, dude, every twenty four karat magic. That's my shit. The more I learn about Bruno, Watch the more out. I want to marry him. I I'm gonna be. You you heard how bad I can fucking butcher Bruno Mars at karaoke <laughs> night. So that was entertaining though. Um, dude, the film festival. I forget what I was gonna say about October twenty fourth is coming up. Dude, I can't. I, you I, know, I'm really happy that we had looking to build this weekend because I got some yes. some decent footage that I'm gonna be able to use in in that uh, video. And then uh, I did Tropical. ask Blake. I, I don't know if I'll be able to even play with them at all. I bet you some friends will share. Yeah, but I, I've always done the gravity li- the the pr- the promo videos with with my own footage. It's always been 100 percent my footage. I, I, I which I'm I'm fine to to wiggle away from that. No, no, no. But uh, you know, you know what sort of person I am. I'm a fucking crazy person. But uh, yeah, I got some good footage. Man, there's a shot I got today that it was a really cool skydive. I thought I was either gonna uh, die getting ninja kicked to the face or get a really good shot, and it was the <laughs> second. Oh, well, yeah, it was the second one. I Whose shoe die. was it? I'm not gonna tell you. Okay, dude. So, but nev- they might be a world champion free flyer. Don't tell anyone. Don't say any names. Don't name names. I don't know who there would have been freestyle. a world champion free flyer. Free uh, freestyle. Oh, with okay, white the white jumpsuit. Sh- with a white jumpsuit. Sh- you don't know. Um. So, anyways, <laughs> uh, she no- wasn't. Nicole Black is not <laughs> it for sure because she's not a world champion. Posted a video from um, somebody else's point of view. Maybe Angulo. No, it wasn't Angulo's. It was. Uh, I, mean, I want to say it was a big name, but the the whole fucking roster is a big name. 
Um, oh, it was uh, Pedro Carlos Bass. Um, oh, okay. Is, yep. is, is, uh, but I've only known him as Carlos. Super friendly guy. Yeah, dude. Um, Great flyer. It was super cool to meet him because him and I have interacted a lot in a business uh, arrangement. Uh, in social media, I've interacted with him a bunch. And then to meet him, Angulo introduced us. And then uh, said, by the way, on Instagram, known this way. I'm like, oh, bro. And we connected really quickly. And it's so, so awesome to get to know these guys. Uh, but Nicole posts a video and, like, say, super stoked to shred with these people, whatever, like, cool thing she posted. Oh, it's from a 360 camera. Yeah. Yeah, I know the video you mean. Dude, it took me a little bit to figure out who and where Nicole was. Because she was killing it? Crushing. Yeah. She was just in her slot cruising, dude. That little fucking girl. She's gotten real good. What the? Dude. I remember when she was a student. First of all, every fucking swing and Tom, Dick, and Harry was chasing after that girl. Um, some of our good friends were chasing after that girl, and it was super funny to watch Stephen like quietly lock that down, man. <laughs> <laughs> good, good job, Stephen. Man. I, I, I love those two together. They're, they're such a wonderful couple in my book. But then to watch her just fight and fight. She has, she has fought for every bit of her skill and talent. She is not bad by any means, but she is not natural she works very very hard to get her what she does and to watch her crushing it out there props to fucking nicole black killing the game yeah it's that that you want to ask about hard work she she gets frustrated she gives up and but she turns around and comes straight back to it and never gives up in the end so it was dope to see i uh blows my mind to see where that little uh, dude my first real interaction with her was in her canopy course she had like 35 jumps i feel like she started just before i showed up it's very possible. 2011, maybe? It's very possible. Uh, she just posted a video on her Facebook page. Uh, so stoked to be in the sport this long. So she just had her like ninth anniversary. Maybe that's why it's in my head. I think it's 2011. Um, man, so many of these young... Ha- have you gotten to that point where somebody's an absolute shredder, but you only see him as like a 15 jump wonder because that's what you know him as? Yeah, I got a couple of those. Yeah. Dude, Cody Edgeworth, I took him on like his tandem. Um, there's, there's so many kids and guys and gals there that I, I took on jumps as students and, you know, little Elvis is what we call him, Mike Romero. <laughs> uh, he, he, uh, jumped with demo on a team. He, uh, mentors here and there, especially a lot lately. Um, super nice kid. Little Elvis. Yeah, dude. He was a Packer here for a while and I'd never seen a sweat so much in my life. Yeah. Two days ago was our nine year. Sky, okay. Sky yep. birthday. Yeah. Awesome. 11. Um, uh, uh, dude, uh, just there are so many people around the DZ that I've got to be part of their lives, and and then, by extension, Hank was your instructor, Pedro or uh, Carlos was your instructor. Um, there's so many people there. If they were your instructor, I taught them something at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, Fudala, like Fudala, just ran an AFF course in Dallas and made three instructors. That's pretty cool. Do generationally, how far do we get to give back with what you and I are doing right now? I mean, Justin, really, I say that uh, would be including that conversation. He's in that generational give back, man. It, 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 it's I had a really good talk with Jacob today. You know, Jacob. Um, um, and it's just amazing to know what effect we've got to have on the sport. You mean L- LB Altimeter's Jacob? Yeah. Okay. Jacob is one of the guys. He's a product, product man, product, production manager at uh, LB Altimeter's. Um, and we, we get an hourly call about once every couple weeks together for some business we do. And uh, dude, just the, the the opportunities we have in this sport, I uh, I'm very blessed, man. A- another buddy uh, called me and talked to me today, and 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 we talked about it. And the thing that that I appreciate is they asked, "Are you proud of yourself?" 
and they meant it respectfully. You should be proud of yourself. And I had a very hard time with that, and I know you get this very well. And I was able to come to terms with the statement of, I'm very proud of the work I've done. And to, to know that we have this effect, this ability, this process, man, I, I have to remind myself every day, it can be very annoying that people ask you the same questions over and over again because they don't realize somebody else already asked you the question three times that day. And I, I constantly have to remind myself, and I apologize to everybody out there, I'm not always great at remembering this, but I have to remind myself, you trust me enough to approach me for an answer, and you like me enough to approach me for an answer. Those are two huge compliments, man. If you're out there in this sport, if you're out there at a job place, if you're out there in this world and people are annoying you with those questions, remember those two things, man. And it helps me tremendously to know that people give me that trust and that respect. That is, how can I betray either one of those things? And, and, and I'm ashamed to say that I do. I mean, you've seen me do it. You've been witness to me to do it. I've done it to you. I'm sure of it. I did, But like... What a travesty. You know, I, I think that I value people's questions uh, more when I know that they've put a little bit of effort into finding the answer before they just, just come to me. Yes. And and I know that I've done that to you because you are such a wealth of information in the instructional skydiving world yeah. that uh, you know I could probably do a few hours of research in the sim or call... I did call Ron Bell the other day. Um, Good. But uh, that I could just dump my problem on you but now, because I know I know what I talked to Ron Bell about, because I've only had one conversation with him, and I had to go out of my way to have it. And uh, I could have called you for the same. I, I could have annoyed you, but it probably wouldn't have stuck with me if it was just another thing I had sent DJ a message about. Uh, but uh, so so I get what you mean of. Uh, hey, it's it's easy to be overwhelmed with these questions, but it's also important. Just just like a tandem student asking about the weather, where's hey, my goggles? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, just because it's the thousandth time you've Stephen and I had a similar conversation er earlier today, and uh, for me, this is a reminder to myself that I should keep my patience when I'm asking people to put their mask back on, because although I have asked that question a million times by now. Not everyone has been asked to put their mask back on, and not everyone is aware of what the mask rules are or whatever else, so that even though it's frustrating for me and I'm tired of doing this little pull up your mask motion to people and saying, hey, just so you know, masks are allowed in here, just because I feel the frustration every single time I have to say that doesn't mean that uh, they're in the wrong as much as my own personal feelings might suggest. Uh, yeah, no, it, it's I for sure. By the way, that. put your fucking mask on. <laughs> I for sure get that. Maybe they're just illiterate and they can't read the signs. I, I will say <laughs> we had a uh, we had a long weather hold on Saturday, and there was a group who constantly took their masks off, mm -hmm. and I witnessed three different staff members, including my wife, approach them. The staff's been real supportive and really helpful. And usually, when I see someone, if I notice them without their mask on, I can I can watch for you know. 10 to 30 seconds before someone else uh, uh, asks them. Mm -hmm. And so I know that I'm not alone in this battle, that I have a really good, uh, we, you know, the drop zone has a really good team of people that are, that are helping out and they're all trying to respectfully do, doing it, respectfully help and respectfully do their own, their own best job. Mm -hmm. And I can, uh, I can say that most people do forget to pull their mask back up sometimes. And that's understandable because it's a new thing in the, in the big picture of what we're used to in life and, and, and things that we do with the drop zone. 
But uh, huge thanks to everybody who's done a good job of wearing their mask and reminding their friends and uh, making that easier on those of us who are tasked with it. I promise you none of us like to wear them. I promise I you love mine. none of us like to remind you to wear That's them. That's my favorite conversation to have. We don't like to do it at all. <laughs> I love um, it. Here's one thing I don't want to <laughs> so see when I ask you to pull your mask back over your face. Like I recently approached some people about wearing a mask. I started with a conversation about what's going on, how you guys doing. I wanted to engage first. I actually prefer when I have time to engage first to have a personable conversation to make to, to talk to my friends. And then I can ask my friends to put their masks back on. It mm-hmm. really honestly works really well. Um, and I, I did that approach partially because I knew one of the people was challenging. Like anytime they're asked to do anything, they will challenge the that 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 statement. And this person, when I asked them to put their mask back on, threw their hands and and, and, and I, I I'm, I'm going to have to show Nick. You won't hear this. But he went, looked around wildly and threw his arms up wildly. And I looked at him and repeated, what does that mean? I don't understand. There's nobody around me. It doesn't matter. We're inside the hangar. It's a problem that we have. It's part of what helps keep us open. It's part of what we do to to continue on. We have held a good standard as, as, a, as, as a community. I'm super proud of this next statement. Because you know how much I am wary of COVID. You know how much I'm, I, I'm concerned about COVID. And we have not had an issue. Uh, everywhere somebody's going to get sick. End of statement. That is, that's going to happen. But with as much as we've been jumping, as, well, as much as business as we've had, we should have had an outbreak by now. But we haven't. People have gotten sick. People have had their own things. So some of our jumpers will get sick over time. There's a percentage of population that's fucking happened. I don't know who they are. But, man, we haven't had an outbreak. That proves how well our protocol is working. That proves how well our staff is ex- expected is it's acting, man. And, and like, don't respond that way. What we're doing is helping justify us staying open. It really is, man. It's very easy to shut down a drop zone right now. It really is. It's very easy for some government entity to say you guys are a problem. Um, man, it, it's the governmental agencies that exist are already difficult enough for skydiving. NTSB. I bet most of skydivers have no fucking clue. The NTSB has a hard-on for skydivers. And I don't know if they have a hard-on, but anytime there's an, there's an accident investigation, the NTSB is trying to have us overregulated. The FAA, because the NTSB is jumping all over the FAA's ass, is now all over our asses. And they were already on our ass at the first place. Man, the government wants to shut us down. It's What's skydiving? A bunch of fucking Yahoo hippies jumping out of airplanes doing drugs and skydiving. That's what the average politician and person in the world thinks. One of the most amazing things I learned in life was to watch non-skydivers be amazed at what level of normal people skydive. They just thought we were a bunch of fucking kook bags. No, man, we have a bunch of really, really, really normal people who skydive. You know, it's, uh, I mean that respectfully. They're extraordinary people at the same time. Um, But um, put your mask on. Like, A, don't just throw your arms up wildly at me. Understand that I don't care about it. But we we had a group... Visiting the drops on this weekend, they had name tags on if that helps you, and they uh, that means they're tandems. They were asked by three different staff members very respectfully, and I saw one staff member do it twice about putting masks on. They were all very kind. They were all very polite. One of them was my wife. The last person to say something was to them. Have you ever heard me go up to somebody and say I'm one of the owners here ever? I've never heard you say that. I said it, <laughs> and I hate that statement. I don't own anything at Spaceland except for the rating center. I own a small business at that drop zone. Um, and, uh, I do occasionally tell people I own the rating center because they try to have an insistence on what the rating center does. And I'm like, Hey, just so you understand, I am the secretary and the janitor, which means I also own the business because that's my biggest jobs is cleaning up messes and being the secretary. 
But ultimately, it is my decision. So I appreciate what you're saying. You are talking to the person in charge. Um, every now and then, I have to have a conversation with a jumper that way who wants to try to change the way business happens. Um, the people can be challenging. I walked up to this group of four people. Hey, guys, really appreciate you guys being here today. We hope to be jumping soon. Um, I'm one of the owners here. Let me explain to you why we have to wear masks. Why did I have to go that far? Sometimes authority is the only thing that appeals to people. Dude, I we had a, a AFF course in Dallas last week. And we are very good at having our masks on in general at the drop zone. But any picture the rating center has pushed out there, as well as I think most pictures that Spaceland puts out there, we do let our TANF students take pictures without their mask on in their group in their special place, and they immediately put them back on. That is an exceptional moment we make. But any group photos we do there in that step and repeat, we insist on you guys having your masks on. Um, we, we, we're, we're really good at it, and it's because we just want to have good practices. Um, I regularly see pictures that we try to produce out there, and somebody, one, one person, there's fucking five people there, and you're the only one without your mask on. If you want it, I have a PNG of a mask, and I am now putting it on people who get in my pictures without a That's mask. That's a on. brilliant <laughs> idea. Like I, I, I a PNG for anyone who is not yes. a nerd is an image with a transparent background, so you can take this PNG mask. It's just a little mask that's <laughs> like a floaty little image that you could put on anything in, in any photo editing software. So you drag and drop the the mask on top of someone's face, and now it looks like they're wearing a mask. Thank you, because I yeah just nerded out for a second for you. Um, that I I knew exactly what you meant. Yeah, I I should explain that. That is not normal. I I am not a graphic designer. I'm not good with graphics at all. So I think anything I know, everybody else knows, because mm. I'm an idiot. But I realize I do have some understanding. Um, yeah, dude, I put a mask on a dude today in a picture. And it's so funny because I've watched people get in pictures at Spaceland Houston and everybody sit to pose for a picture and a dude take his mask off for the picture. I'm like, do you really need your face seen that bad? Are you that important? I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I, I can agree with anyone who says it's silly. I can agree with anyone that says it's uncomfortable. I yeah. can agree with anyone that, uh. You know, th wants to say anything that we've heard said negatively about masks. Yeah. I can also agree with people who say, I'm afraid of getting sick, and I, I want people around me wearing masks. And I can agree with people who say, hey, I have to wear this mask, and I wear it all the time, so it's not fair that that person over there isn't wearing theirs. I can fully support all of that stuff. And I can s support the, the possibility that masks are keeping people from getting sick. So I, I can't prove it. I'm not a fucking scientist, but I mean, there's a I would say it's better to do something than to do nothing. And, uh, you know, I, if, if you feel like wearing a mask is an infringement on your rights or whatever, whatever it is, whatever re reason you have to not wear that mask, man, masks are not going to be forever. And the world's still going to be here when you're when masks are done. And if you need to wait till then to do whatever you need to do in public. Great. In the meantime, man, I want everyone to come skydive safely and to wear their mask and to keep them and their friends safe by doing whatever we can do to keep things clean and not get people sick. Because if the drop zone has an outbreak of sickness and we have to close down, man, that's a big problem. And nobody around here is skydiving. And uh, we've been able to continue skydiving. And some people out there are jumping a whole lot. And I want them to keep doing that. And I want us to stay in business. And I want everyone to feel like they're safe. And that other, I mean, just like most things in skydiving, some things you're doing to keep yourself safe. Some things you're doing to keep others safe. And it's like, hey, I'm not going to let you jump without a rig on because I care about you. And, hey, you know, I, we got to let people. It's if, if you if you put that mask on with the same level of importance that you put your rig on, God, we're all going to be wearing them. And if you can 
and uh, you know, putting that rig on is part of what it lets you enjoy this freedom and amazing thing that we all love so much. Hey, well, the mask is just another one of those things that you got to put on to enjoy the rest of this stuff. And man, I sweat more than most people, and I would say that I move around most more than most people in a normal day. And if I'm doing my whole day, exercise included, wearing that fucking mask, so so can anybody while they're just hanging out, especially teach a canopy course with a mask on. Sure, yeah, and you got to do a lot of talking, man. I taught at least fifteen yes. tandem classes on on Saturday. Yeah, with the mask on all the whole time, running up and down the stairs, spending most of my time not doing those classes out in the sunshine, looking at canopies. And it, it, it teaching and speaking nonstop with a mask on is a challenge. If you can, if you have a medical condition that prevents you from wearing a mask, you need to question: Should you be skydiving right now? If you have a medical condition that requires you to use a handicap spot, but you're going to skydive all day long, you need to question one of those two decisions. <laughs> There's two things that that uh, frustrate me, and one of the biggest things: it, this is life in general. If you're using a handicap spot and you don't currently need it, you're just selfish. You're disrespectful, like uh, especially if there's spots up close already open. Save it for somebody who really needs it. If you're going to skydive all day long, why are you using a handicap spot? I'll give you a justifiable reason. Uh, Randy Morgan, you know Randy, mm-hmm. he had a wife in a wheelchair who he'd regularly bring to the DZ. And he would bring her to the DZ, and he would actually use a handicap spot to unload Kathleen in her wheelchair, then move his van out of the handicap spot and leave it for somebody else. There's a good man. Randy Morgan. Well, he'll be on the show eventually. I think y- you know our goal with Randy. Mm-hmm. We just, God, man. Going to space. Yeah, COVID just fucked our world up. Yeah. You know who else works with NASA on an interesting capacity? Uh, don't tell me. I know his name. Tell me. Daniele Tancredi. Oh, the no, little that's French not the bastard. name I would have come up with. Yeah, no, he works with uh, um, the Mars rover uh, stuff, I think. Oh. I, I might be getting it wrong. Um, but like working on like simulators to drive rovers, and I don't know if it's the Mars rover or if it's like future goals. Um, but like, dude, he's got a really interesting job um, with with uh, with NASA. What's, so. what's the name of the lovely lady who's the astronaut? Oh, on Ella. D- uh, uh, no, 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 no. Uh, Ellen, Ellen, Ellen. Um, Jerry Elkins and Mary Ellen. Mary Ellen. Mary Ellen. Yeah. Um, she has been on two. So when I first moved to Houston, uh, you know, hoop. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Hoop to death. He, he's a good friend, but Hoop is very well known for bragging. And Hoop tells me when I first moved there, uh, there's an astronaut who jumps here. And I'm like, you're a skydiver, and I've told me, been told you exaggerate. So yeah, there's an astronaut who who jumps here. I'm thinking there's somebody who has gone through like astronaut training or who works at NASA and helps the astronauts. And I I, I dismissed it, straight dismissed it. Uh, I heard this story from him on multiple occasions. He tells people all the time. Uh, Valerie was on Deguayo. I think you know that. Mm-hmm. She spent two years as the videographer for Deguayo, and the end of each season, Jack Burke, as a team captain, would host a team dinner. at the, every, every training camp had a team dinner, but the last training camp was dinner at his house. It was very low-key. It was a pizza party because, it, man, it's a 17-way team, 16-plus video, and everybody's significant others were invited to this dinner. So you have 30-some people. Um, Jack commences to show us around his house. Hey, man, let me show you around the house. And he has a wall, a couple walls covered with the Guayo. De Guayo was the longest-running competitive team in the world for some point. They recently resigned. They recently retired. Um, longer than airspeed, longer than anybody. So there's a lot of history and prestige, and he's showing us all this stuff. His dad started De Guayo and this, that. This year is a gold medal. This year is silver. This is when these teams started doing these things. This is when we... 
And he turns a corner, and before he does, he's like, I want to show you the proudest thing I have of the Guayo period. And I'm ready to see, like, world medal gold, right? That's the proudest thing the Guayo has. And he turns a corner, and he's like, you know Mary Ellen? I'm like, of course we know Mary Ellen. Mary Ellen and her husband, um, oh, God damn, I said his name a second ago. Um, they took Valerie and I under their wing when Valerie was on the team. They made sure we knew who everybody was. They made sure we were settled at uh, dinner, Jerry Elkins. Uh, they were so gracious to us. Everybody at Degüey was super cool to us, but they were—they took us under their wing. They told us about everybody. They never told us one of them has three PhDs and is inventing some really fucking crazy ass shit, and the other one was a two-time astronaut. He's like, yeah, Mary Ellen has done two uh, uh, two tours on the shuttle, blah, blah, blah. Said some fancy words and shows us a picture of her signed one of her shuttle things. I'm like, you're fu- this Dude, the bitch has been to fucking space, and she is so humble. If you've ever been a skydiver on a Deguayo load, she's a lady who does crossword puzzles on the ride to altitude. Have you been there? Have you seen this? Uh, yeah, I have seen that. Yeah, dude. I, uh, I Got to do some of that big old brain. Have you been on a Deguayo load? No, but I've jumped with her in Dallas. Dude, it is so fun to be on a load with Deguayo when you're not on Deguayo. Because very few teams, like if you go to Nationals, Airspeed and Knights don't commonly launch a chunk. They build it in free fall. Of course, you have some of the most current badasses in the world. The Guayo launches chunks. They launch large ass pieces. The last diver in the airplane is not a diver. He's holding on to somebody somewhere, has his foot pushed against the the fuselage of the opposite side of the door and boosts himself out that way so he doesn't bang his shins on the door on the way out and he wears shin guards because he doesn't always succeed. I'm not fucking joking. One bit. Um, imagine... 16 people getting off the plane at the exact same time. Number one, it is the dopest sight you'll ever see. Number two, think about lift, center of gravity, and balance during that moment. It's a ride. Yeah, I don't know what the average weight is of someone on Deguayo, but times it by 17. <laughs> yeah. And it's not a small number. And they are not, like, there's some small folks on that team, but it is not a small team, period. There are big people on that team. Uh, you've been on that ride. Oh, yeah. I've it, seen I've seen I've seen him exit that chunk. It's awesome. <laughs> it's so dope. I, I I love it, man. I, I know I have video of it somewhere, but it's been it's been a minute. I love doing STP jumps on that plane with students and be like, yo yo, and I explain to them, but well before it happens, what they're about to see, and I'm telling them how unique it is, so they can. I, I love sharing with students what they're about to see to a help them learn from it, but b to help them enjoy it, dude. Like it, it's. Ultimately, we became instructors and videographers to help people enjoy the sport we cherish and we passion, we have a passion for. But somewhere along the way, some of us lose that thought process, that integrity, that 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 honor, that 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 system. I just read a badge that said integrity and honor. If you can't tell, <laughs> <laughs> are you? Is there a badge on the wall? Yeah, from Iway, oh. Louisiana, uh, Iway Police Department. I'm I'm actually friends with the chief of Iway. Uh, Louisiana. Hey, Chief. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also have heard from multiple people, including him, it is the absolute worst place in the world to get pulled over. Like, Iowa, Louisiana. Don't fuck around in Iowa, Louisiana. That is, it's spelled, by the way, spelled Iowa if you're ever in Iowa, Louisiana. Iowa? Yeah, it's spelled Iowa. Zero. It's pronounced Iowa. Yeah, I. Would, would you say it's my way or. Or Iowa. Iowa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, dude, I have some very good connections with the chief of police there. It's a. Uh, I have some. Uh, uh, state troopers, uh, several different chiefs of police. You know, I did that IDC for law enforcement in, in Louisiana. I, I wrote an instructor development course curriculum for McNeese State University's uh, police training officer program. 
And then I went and taught it to 13 different individuals, most of them with master's degrees or higher in law enforcement and education both. Hmm. I was kicked out of college. <laughs> I was asked to put this curriculum together and present it. And I show up and we start with introductions. And Keith, Chief Keith, is, is from Iowa. He is like one of the only people in there without a, a uh, postgraduate degree. And they all like, yeah, I got my PhD in teaching is the shortest way to say it. And I'm like, uh, and I look at my brother, I'm like, how about what the fuck did you get me into? You know, Steve Thompson? Yes. Yeah. He, he got me the gig. Um, and I, and I, I legit at some point from the whole crowd, I'm like, um, buddy, I wish you would have told me that I was going to come teach a topic to people who have postgraduate degrees in the topic. That would have been super helpful. Um, fortunately they were blown away. They loved my presentation. Um, I'm articulate with certain thoughts. I do a good job explaining myself, especially if I get time to, to compose a speech. And uh, it, it was a lot of fun. But, dude, I made friends with a lot of really good law enforcement officers. Have you ever – you've not been in my car. You know what a challenge coin is? Yeah, I know what a challenge coin is, yeah. Do you know the one in my center console? No. It is a police badge. I have a police-badged challenge coin on my center console. Every police officer homie I know has told me the same thing. Um, and the guys who gave it to me told me this. Never mention it, but I promise you every police officer will ask about them. Tell them the exact truth of where you got it from. You probably won't get a ticket. <laughs> yeah. I still don't speak. You've driven, you've, you've passed me on the freeway. Yeah, I see you driving that sports car like a fucking grandma. <laughs> I'm driving a Mustang. It is not the fastest car in the world, but it is a fast car. You're driving a fucking transit van, and you pass me on the freeway. Well, I got kids to kidnap. <laughs> it, I don't know if you've ever They're screaming so loud you gotta I gotta, I gotta restock on puppies and candy So I can keep tricking those little idiots You ever notice I smile and wave at you when you pass me? Uh, yeah, I guess yeah, it's, we have friendly it's, interaction. It, it's a giggle of the trans man passing me well, in my mush. I like going fast Like Dude, Ricky Bobby You really don't go that fast I go that slow That is the truth it, it, I mean I feel like I used to drive a lot faster down 288 Dude, I used to set the cruise control at 80 and just be like, fuck it, YOLO. If you're a <laughs> skydiver in Houston and you drive to Spaceland, there are a shitload of cops on that road. I get fun jumpers argue this with me all the time. I used to drive that road daily. Nick still does. There are very few days in my life that I have not seen a state trooper on that fucking freeway. There is a major racetrack south of a major drop zone. Cops, state troopers know it's adrenaline junkie alley. If you've gone to the drop zone on a weekend, you've passed Porsches, you've passed Lamborghinis, you've passed Ferraris, all going to uh, Houston Motor Sports Ranch. Is that what it is? MSR? Um, yeah, I think that's the name of it. Houston Motor Sports Ranch. Um, it's a racetrack for fucking race cars. They don't speed on 288. It's just not fucking worth it. If you're in a course of mine, I'd rather you be 15 minutes late and not get a ticket than on time and challenge those police officers. It is, dude, fuck, don't, don't speed on 288. It's, it's a ticket trap. They'll get you. You know, it seems to have died down from the Rona. I think they're just trying to have, uh, you know, I don't know if it's a Rona uh, combined with the, the George Floyd and the, you know, uh, higher animosity towards police officers. I don't know if it's both of those things. But uh, I sure have seen fewer people pulled over since this, this whole thing started. I'm really curious. I, I, I uh, I've like got some good friends who are police officers, but I haven't seen them because of Rona. Mm -hmm. And I'm really curious to see what their perspectives are right now with, with what I would call civil unrest. I think that's a fair title for it right now, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I think uh, this isn't the first time I remember seeing this of, uh, you know, police officers being even less liked than normal. But, uh, you know, and I've said things about not liking police in my life. But I understand that's got to be a really difficult job. That everywhere you show up, no one wants you to be there. Everyone's lying to you. Everyone's got an excuse. And some of them are going to try and kill you. And you don't know which ones those are from the ones that are going to be really nice to you until you're in the interaction that's happening. It's like, man, I have a stressful day worrying about a very fun and leisurely thing. (laughs) And no one's trying to shoot me on a normal day. And, uh, man, I know how tough of a day I can have. It's like, man, compound that with the the threat, the legitimate threat. You have friends who have died doing this job at the hands of someone else who they pulled over for whatever, you know, whatever reason. Yeah, I could I could imagine uh having a different perspective on people when everyone you interact with is uh you know, not not being the best version of themselves more than more than likely. And right now you work for one of the high most highest hated demographics out there. Yep. Uh, being a police officer, I, I am very supportive of police. Every every part of our society has its bad guy. Hundred percent I believe they're horrible cops. Hundred percent believe it. But every part of society has great people. It doesn't matter what race, what religion, what belief, what faith, what sexuality, what occupation. There are wonderful police officers out there who are really trying to help. Well, I think it's going to come back to something that you mentioned earlier about what can come from open and respectful communication from from both sides. In my experience with police officers, if I treat them with respect and I am just honest with them about whatever I'm doing, I've, I've, I've fared pretty well most of the time. I have but. been in trouble with police officers. Uh, I've been arrested a few times, and I've been cooperative. I've been respectful. I've been appreciative, and it has got me a very, very long way. They've been very cooperative, very helpful, and very respectful back to me. I also paid the price for my sins. I, 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 I accepted what I did, and I actually always got away really easily because I, A, wasn't a repeat. Don't do that over and over again. You're going to fuck up. But they're like, hey, man, you seem remorseful. You seem like a good guy. Slap on the wrist. Go away. Um, that, that's not to say that there are not bad cops out there. There are cops who have George Floyd murdered innocent people. There are cops who have planted drugs on people. There are cops who have done every ima- everything you can imagine that a person in a position of power could do to degrade someone or to take advantage of the situation. That is for sure. Training all, day. All happened. <laughs> God, what a great <laughs> movie. I love that guy. You want to go to jail? You want to go home? Sorry. I love that guy, man. Great movie. Um, what's his name again? Denzel Washington you, Denzel. and uh, I don't care about the other Ethan guy. Ethan Hawke is the other guy. Yeah, fi- Denzel, dude. Oh my god, I love Denzel. He does such a good job in so many roles. He does the bad guy so good. Yeah, he does great. Well, hey, I'm turning into a pumpkin. Should we wrap this bitch up? Yeah, we should. We, we should. Uh, uh, we got the film festival coming up on October 24th. We've got uh, maybe two more podcasts happening this week if Claudio decides to show up and Guru decides not to bitch out. And uh, <laughs> what else we got? Man, I will tell you, I don't know if you've noticed, I have three gra- three film festival posters over your shoulder now. I'm facing the other way. Uh, yeah, but when you walk <laughs> in, you might see them. And it's so cool because this is our fourth year. Um, things are stepping up. GoPro, once again, is given a GoPro. LB is once again given a complete awareness package. But the fact that uh, uh, SSK has stepped up and given 30% off of Cypress, that is super huge. I have one or two other oh, sponsors. I need the soundboard thing. Pew, 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 pew. I'll um, get it. Hang on. Now it's not going to mean <laughs> yeah. as much because you had to ask me. I, I, I know. I want a couple other things growing, man. I really want to see if we can push 100 people in the audience this year. 
Uh, there's a kid on Instagram from California. I believe his name is Justice. Justice uh, sent me a message about uh, entering the competition and how can he send me a submission and that he's bringing a crew from Cali to the competition or to, to the film festival. And absolutely, uh, the reason it's never been called a competition, and I almost regret saying that word, is it's a festival. It is a celebration. It's meant to be there for your friends. It's meant to be there for your for your party, man. Celebrate your badass videos. Celebrate your fucking badass friends. So, man, let's let's make this bigger than ever. I would love to see 15 to 18 videos. It's way longer of a night than I'm ready to invest in. But I would love to stay up later than I want for you guys. Man, what if we had to do two nights? I don't, man. I it's a, That would be, what, a Friday and a Saturday or a Saturday F- and a Sunday? 15 to 18 videos? I don't know. We did 13 or 14 the last year. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's Yeah, we've done 12 to 13, 13 to 14. It, it's uh, 12 to 14 has been the total number. So 12 is the lowest. So, well, YOLO, let's do it. Make some movies. Yeah, I mean, it, it's uh gosh, I think we've ro- I think we've been out of there by 11 each year. So a couple more videos still gets us out by 11:30. I mean, I don't love that. I really don't, but to let my homies, let my friends and let other people party and celebrate. I mean, dude, this is Ultimately, the film festival is my favorite party. It, it that's I, I I look at it as throwing a party for my friends. That's what I look at. So we have to figure out the keg. I don't. I, I think it might be irresponsible time of year to have a keg unless we have somebody oh, operating yeah. it. God damn it! And using new cups every time. Ah, let's just do cans of beer. We'll just get a lot of cans of beer. Yep, that's that's where I'm at. Cool. That makes it easy. So uh, yeah, dude, the film festival is coming up. Um, uh, dude, what else is coming up? I don't know. You're, you're nothing's working. My shit's not my you're, fucking. You're, your shit's broken. Um, nothing. I got nothing. We might have Claudio tomorrow. We might have uh, Guru this week. We do have. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fixed it. Surprise. Yeah, try and say something. We have text <laughs> coming up soon. I'm We're working on. No, no, it was I'm more so, fun to I'm do really that. Really sorry. That I'm, that's yeah. got to be so obnoxious. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, we we have texts coming up. We have a few other people uh, plugged in the time frame. Uh, a few other things working out. We'll see. Um, till then, funky uh, white boy, play that white boy music. Funky white boy. Yeah, yeah. It's white boy, play that funky music. Hit it, kick it, guys and gals. This has been Gravity Lab Radio. We have no clue what we're doing. Thank you for listening to this all the way to the fucking end. We love you, Nick. You suck. Don't stop, stop me, me now. now. <laughs> we're having a good time. Good time, good time. Your microphone. Oh, there it is. Your microphone's back on. I just broke a glass. God damn it. That's the one Justin gave me from Ireland. Well, it was from Scotland. Scotland. It was from Loch Ness. Yes, it was. Now we're both even because we both shattered glasses on the show. <laughs> 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 <laughs>